Hello and welcome back to the Spooky Popcorn Podcast. Happy Halloween, you miserable fuckers. I mean, people are meant to say, oh, happy Halloween, when I'm like, no, it's a dark and disgusting, horrible holiday. Have a bad day. Have a horrible day. I hope you get spooked. I hope you get haunted. I hope you have a tragic accident. Happy Halloween. Nasty Halloween, more like. Yeah, we're back. New minds, new ideas. We're bringing this podcast to a new place. Jake's looking at me with more anger and just confusion than I've ever seen. Season's greetings from Sour Popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Have a nice day. (laughs) Yes, we are back. The Sour Popcorn podcast continues as a series of cautionary tales for (laughs) lovers of Squeam. Welcome to the Spooky Popcorn Podcast. When you just try and do it, it hurts, and you don't even try. Like, you can do Kermit well, give you that, you do that any day of the week, but no one wants to hear you do the old night manager from the Grizzly Tales cinema. No that, wants to hear it. that show messed me up as a kid. It was a fucking good show, man. It was fantastic. CITV, back in their heydays, when they had My Parents Are Aliens and Jungle Run. Just fucking Saturday afternoon doesn't get better than that no. we're here to do a show <laughs> stop discussing this shit the show must go on yeah we're not doing standard episode because we've been filming all day and we're very very tired me Extremely. especially I don't want to do this course anymore I'm so tired all the time so just expect some spooky wholesome goodness when we discuss horror because what else does Zach really live for and Jake's just along for the ride so we've been at uni for quite some weeks now on the film course and I've been loving it. Zach seems incredibly tired. I'm very tired but I am loving it. I mean, I'm very tired. Up, Too late editing but that's showbiz baby. Yeah. Um, We've produced content that people have both been shocked by, laughed at and I think probably the next thing they see from us they'll probably be a little bit sick when they see when something comes floating from my mouth that probably shouldn't yeah if you're wondering what that is if you're wondering what that is stay tuned to the channel subscribe (laughs) but it's nice that we're both producing content I'm liking it yeah what I'm liking about this course is that they'll teach you about some sort of theory be it like cool shove effect or whatever some film theory and then they're like right go away and do it and so doing that each week is just meaning that you it's like film rights motto write shoot edit repeat and then it's just really getting you into the rhythm of doing it all and also next week we're going to be working with eight millimeter film so that will be very exciting it's just so nice to be able to like walk in every day not only be excited by the prospect of what we're doing find something extremely relatable in every lecture they give us, practically so far, but then just throw the tables back and just say, right, fuck it, go and make something. Because <laughs> I know for a fact we won't be getting that in most other places, so I'm happy I've got my boy with me. <laughs> We're doing good things. We're doing good things. Forgive me, I really am tired. I haven't had any coffee. So I'm a little bit on the edge. I'm on the edge. Shut up. <laughs> If you're not allowed to do This Is Halloween, then we're not allowed to do Edge of Glory, because I guarantee that will get us copyrighted a lot quicker. This is why we can't have nice things. 
Don't start Goddamn with, copyright. Don't start with me, young man. <laughs> right, so anyway, horror. Halloween. So, it, it's currently... Happy Halloween, by the way. It's that beautiful day. You, you've changed yeah. your tune oh, a bit. <laughs> it's gone from... <laughs> because it is that day, let's just discuss the movie with the same title. The, uh, essentially, we're both very tired so we're essentially just going to be mumbling to each other and then be like hey hey yeah we'll be like hey yeah. um but yes uh, unfortunately halloween does fall on wednesday this year but so what can you do we can't go and get drunk but we can go and watch like shit tons of horror yes after this we are going to see the new halloween which is Fuck one of the yes. reasons why we're reviewing this one and visiting it um, and then after that we then have John Carpenter's 18, no, 1980 The Fog yeah. I think it's 80 or is it 85 or something 80 it's The a Fog 4K remaster, I yeah, it's it the 4K remaster they apparently, allegedly went back to the original uh, film and then they redid it um, and I'm very much looking forward to that in the cinema I'm really more excited for that than I am seeing the new Halloween yeah. <laughs> because I just... <laughs> I, I think even if it's just a mediocre film at best, just the experience of being there on Halloween, seeing it on the big screen, yeah, just will just be like, right, five stars straight away. And it's brilliant because I don't have to go dressed up. I mean, I have a naval coat bought so I can do the Captain Jack Hartness, but I guess we're just going to have to save that for next year now because <laughs> we're going to the cinema instead, so... I don't want to sit in that coat. But yes, John Carpenter made a movie many years before this sequel came out. This is technically the second time they've tried to do Halloween 2. The third yeah. time, if you think about it, actually. Yeah, because yeah, the there was the, a the 2009 one, one. Which was just atrocious. So we, we, we don't got. talk about that one. <laughs> Neither does this movie, apparently. <laughs> that was something I loved when I saw the trailer for this first movie. I mean, for this new movie that's today. And they literally say, like, oh, wasn't he her brother? It's like, no, that's just a rumour people made up. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Get rid of all that crap they did in the sequels. Because in the sequels it was, like, stuff about Wiccans and Druids. And who, who knows? Just, why take it there? But there was once upon a time when a man who was just desperate to make a movie made a simple little film about just a bloke who just follows women and just murders them. And have I loved it. Have you seen the movie pitch on Screen Rant where he's like... Yeah, essentially it's just a, a short film, but I managed to pad it out with just lingering on shots for no reason. <laughs> Fuck you, all right? <laughs> I mean, I'll give you that. It does take, like, I think it's only 40 minutes until the first kill. Uh, that's, like, a long time to wait in a horror film, but... Think, well, no, the first kill's in the first bit like, when he's yeah, a kid. But, like, when it gets to, like, the main plot of it, like, something that isn't establishing, like, doesn't kill her in the back of the car seat until you've gone through hours of just totally, totally, totally. That girl says totally so much. <laughs> and then there's that one girl in this car later who was clearly not an actor, and she's like, oh my god, it's my dad, get rid of the, the smoke. And it's like, <sighs> stop. <laughs> but I love this movie. It's so good. Before we properly get into it, this is a thing that I need to discuss with Zach. The... Do you remember our year 10 English lessons when we were analysing the Truman Show? Mm -hmm. um, and they're talking about how to properly review something. They were saying how at the start you need to go through the synopsis of what it's about, mm -hmm. but obviously without spoiling it. So, Zach, 
what is Halloween about? Halloween is about... With some uh, enthusiasm. <laughs> Halloween is about a young boy who was bestowed with a sense of... In a world. In a world. <laughs> Halloween is specifically about a young boy who is undergoing specific mental trauma in a, in a way that made him want to kill his sister at a very young age. He gets out of a mental asylum for some crackpot reason, just because I think it was raining a lot, and then just and then, decides to go on a streak in his old hometown. Does a good job. So I think because this film has been out for long enough, if if you haven't seen it yet, we're Fuck just going to say just, spoiler warning. Just honestly, like <laughs> I don't care if you haven't seen it. Like, you should have seen this. If you've seen Scream, you've seen the best scene of this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy Scream. I fucking love Scream. It's self-aware and I love it. But it is no Halloween. Halloween was just amazing. And I get a load of people who say, like, watch this and say, like, oh, it's boring. Like, oh, it takes forever to get anywhere. The tropes. It's just tropes, Like tropes, this tropes. episode. And I'm like, popcorn podcast. this is where it fucking began. People didn't know these things before they saw that movie. This is like looking at your grandmother and saying yes that is where I came from every other horror film can look at this and think yes my DNA is a part of that um all of Zach's words are his own (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know what I mean it's just like it's the heritage Zach I'm gonna sound like a fucking bellend for saying this horror films did come before Halloween (laughs) The modern archetype of a slasher <laughs> film. I'm just going to piss in Zach off so much he's just going to walk out of my flat. My flatmates are going to walk up to him and go, Zach, what did you do? What did you do? I will literally... Then stand there as the camera pans I out. I will take a clothes hanger, twist it in a certain way, and then I will stab you in the eye. That's dedication to the show because I'm threatening you and I'm making a contextual reference to the film, damn it. <laughs> There's a lot of pent-up aggression But it's here. just, it's brilliant. It's the man in the mask. It's the final girl. It's that fucking sensational score. It's just everything that a slasher film ever should be. Everything that pretty much modern horror ever will mm. be comes from this. You know, like, the film trivia that everyone knows where the Michael Myers mask is just William Shatner's face? Yeah. I want to know what William Shatner thinks of that. <laughs> Please, why didn't we Google that before the show? That was, that was our one job. You, you know, like in Baby Driver, Mike Myers actually gave his blessing for the yeah. Austin Powers things. Do you reckon he gave his blessing at he all? Didn't, or he, didn't, he... he didn't because they literally just went to a store, found like a peach white skinned one and just sprayed it white and yeah. dyed the hair. But... <laughs> like... I mean, he can't really stop it. Like... Oh no, not at all. I mean, it doesn't really have his likeness, yeah. but... I mean, particularly when you watch, like, like 4, 5, and 6, he looks nothing like it. It's just an awful mask. And then when you watch H2O with Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks, it's like he does Why? Kung Fu no, on him, and that doesn't look anything like that. But that's why I like the look of the new one, because the mask looks just like it did in the original. Michael looks just like yeah it just looks like a decayed version of that I think as well like you get 
the best Donald Pleasance performance in any of these movies. Like, he's in... Christ, I think he's in nearly all of them, besides, I think, H2O and the one that came after H2O. I can't even remember. H40, um, is it? Fuck off. It's not, it's not H40. <laughs> it's H40 this year, thank you. <laughs> Don't play with me, young man. But, like, Donald Pleasance is so good in that movie. It's, like, when it's the line, it's, um, oh, I spent seven years trying to treat him and then eight years trying to keep him locked up and it's just he sells you so well on the evil of that situation on that character something that confused me about this film he was locked up as a kid right yeah and then he breaks out of the thing mm-hmm. and he drives straight away mm-hmm. how, do, how does he know how to drive I think it's just logical inconsistency it's like I I Right, I don't care that he's shot many times and he falls out of windows and he survives and then in the sequels he's actually on fucking fire and he still survives. I don't care about that. How how does he know how to drive? I'm sure he didn't even get his provisional licence, let alone his full driving licence. The real pressing matter that you need to ask is who is the vicious killer that is stalking Michael Myers himself because there's a scene in that film where he's driving the car and then there's a POV in the back of the car shooting the rest of the street it's like, who is in the back of the car with Michael <laughs> who is following him who's stalking him all night I'm trying to think of a theory now what if it is Freddy Krueger because he's dreaming Ugh. like that was something that I'm glad these movies never crossed over because they had that awful awful what Freddy like, versus, Freddy versus Jason. Jason and you literally if you just swap out Michael with Jason like it's the exact same thing. It's undead yeah. guy coming after you. Pretty cool fight. I'm glad they didn't do that with Michael because he just got weird enough and stupid enough as it was. The thing I love about Halloween films is um, just how slow and methodical it is. Mm. Like he's there in the back. Like especially in Halloween Two, like with the hot tub bit oh, Christ, and yeah. things like that. He's there and he's just slowly walking in. And they just don't know. It's, yeah. it's it's the bit. It's the parts where he like gets shot and then he falls down and then he comes back up that makes my eyes roll. Yeah. But it's the parts where it is just you can't get away from him. Yeah. He he will get you. And that's like a tribute to completely what I'm saying. Like that became the archetype for every other villain. It was Freddy. You couldn't get away from him. Jason. They were both undead. They were both immortal. And then it's like you say like oh he sits back up and your eyes roll. That had never happened before. People had not seen that. And to be able to go... I often say this on a very few occasions. Like, oh, to be able to go back in time to see a, f- a film on first screening, Halloween would be on my list. Because to be mm. able to see people react to that... I know the film was critically panned, but when people started to realise the brilliance behind it, and to be able to look at it and think, oh, fuck, this is really something new, would be incredible. Like I know with those, if you could be in the first screenings, would you? And obviously, there's the Hitchcock example with orchestrating screams and whatnot. Oh, but God. I would want to be there, not for like the pinnacle of cinema, not 2001, not anything like that. I would want to be there for the room's first screening, when Tommy <laughs> runs out, upset, and then he comes back in. Would you go out after him and say, like, I'm here, I can't. I would. I'd be like, I'm here. Remember me, Mr. Wiseau. Do you think that Remember actually me. happened, or was that bit just for sort of... Because I think you had to take some liberty with it. I think some of it was their artistic liberty, but I think uh, 
it must be somewhat grounded in fact because I don't think he'd be happy straight away like oh they hate my film yeah. they think it's awful but they love it he tried so desperately to do a thing recently it was called I think it was called Neighbours and you watch it it was kind of I think it was like a TV series I watched scenes from it it was like him trying to be on the joke like him trying to know that he's awful and it was just like please stop this is like, like there's a thing horse. about knowing <clears throat> knowing about the joke and being self aware of it but then there's also pushing it too far where there it's like was, hey remember all these yeah, there's being the smartest man in the room and then there's being the guy who's seen the video four times that's what Tommy was but getting back to Halloween <laughs> because we could talk about Tommy Wiseau all night there is a reason why in the description for the podcast like on Spotify and on YouTube and everything I put we mainly talk about films and television but we do go on a lot of tangents yeah I mean I can't help it I'd like to see it one day like you know that episode of South Park well I mean the movie what am I saying where every time Carmen swears he gets an electric shock I'd like to see us get an electric shock every time we go on tangent like someone just sets us up to a machine I, I'm not like any guest stars want to try that and have actually got like electric electrifying machines or a taser get in touch because that would be fucking hilarious to watch like for charity or something that'd be brilliant um, I'd preferably not you heard it here first the members the host Zach's words are his own we want to be tasered <laughs> for charity because that would be hilarious and you'd never be forgotten for it Zach's words are his own <laughs> but anyway, I still Halloween. think it's one of the most iconic openings of all time when you've just got little Michael and he's just sat there in the clown mask and they just pull it off and it's just it's the knife and it just oh, like the score comes in watching that I thought oh okay because obviously I watched it only a few months ago so I, I know all this clout and all this build up around it being always oh, one of the best horror films ever made and obviously with him and the iconic mask but I thought oh okay so they're doing this as foreshadowing with the mask so later on, they're going to take his mask off and be like, summon. Mm. But luckily they didn't, and he just fucking defenestrated. He yeeted himself out of a window. No yeet. No yeet. <laughs> no, no, we don't say yeet on the South Popcorn podcast ever. So yeet is banned. Yeet is banned. I will allow anything, including tasering, but not yeet. Yeet is not allowed. But yeah. I think your unofficial nickname is going to be Taserface or something. <laughs> yes. No, not that far. I'm not saying I'd like to be Taserface because that was a awful awful joke that was just they, they did push it a bit too it's like, far I know it's funny but I don't need you to remind me <laughs> I don't need to re- be reminded how to laugh I do it very rarely <laughs> but I remember how thank you I remember a time but I think John Carpenter did something also very special with this film in the sense that he was the very first to do it in my opinion he got the name Halloween what is just the best name for your horror film Halloween how many times do you think people will have wanted to call their feature Halloween and he's already taken it he's like yes my film is called Halloween and it's perfect and with that it works well because it then becomes synonymous with the day it's like they say if you're a singer or a musician to be financially successful at least Christmas film because it comes around every year yeah and then you're likely to get more money from it so associating it like because a lot of horrors are like mm. oh that was fun for the time or oh that was yeah. shit or whatever but then a few actually associate themselves with 
yeah. the actual day of Halloween. Yeah. Which I saw a tweet on Twitter which perfectly put it. Halloween is just Christmas for goths. Yeah, it literally is. And I mean, like, you talk about how <coughs> they wanted, you want to associate it, and that's what it was going to be. It was like, when they made Fruit, it was like, right, let's make this a yearly anthology thing that's come up with a new story every time. And if you watch season three, I mean, number three, season of The Witch, Michael's not even in it. It's about a weird toy company that's making masks that makes children's brains disintegrate. It's more of like a, a neo-noir movie than it is a horror film. There's even a scene where like there's a kid watching the original Halloween on the TV. It's really strange, and I think that's how you synonymously link the name to the franchise to the season. But you didn't need to do that because you had such a great original movie, which shows because they instantly, when they realised how badly number three went, they quickly named number four the return of Michael Myers. Because <laughs> three went awfully. Do you still favour just watch three someday? Like, like, go away and come back even if you have to. Just watch like, it. While I'd love an anthology horror or film series, which is sort of what Cloverfield's sort of doing. If it gets another chance. <clears throat> um, but... I don't think Halloween is by any means the franchise to do that with. Because no. it is not only synonymous with the day of Halloween, for obvious reasons, it's also synonymous with Michael. Yeah, I stand by it. If you had made only one movie with Michael, you could have done it. But the fact that there were now two movies with Michael and... and what's that bloody name? Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Yeah. Laurie. Laurie. Christ. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Bloody hell, that's embarrassing. Like, if the fact that they became such synonymous characters like to the genre, like the idea of the final girl, the idea of the master slasher, that like, you couldn't do anything without them. Mm. And I think if there had only been one movie, you could have like replicated that with a new character or idea. But because they became so synonymous, you just couldn't. And that's just like what says it. It's like you instantly think of the best like hero in horror. You either go to Laurie or you go to Ripley. Mm. And it is... Nine times out of ten, people will say. I mean, particularly with the looks of this new movie, people will probably say Laurie. Oh, I'd say Ripley every time. I mean, I would too, but I imagine lots of people do love Laurie. Like that's their first introduction to like the final girl archetype, like caring about the character that you don't yeah. just want to see them get gutted. Like you do. Well, this film sort kid. of invented the final girl. Yeah, exactly. Archetype. Yeah. I love Jamie Lee Curtis in these films, and she was just tweeting the other day about just the box office numbers about horror film with female lead in when then in October yeah well and it's just like fucking slay bitch yeah. you do this did you see um, it was an interview of her and she was like talking about like why, they, why they're doing the new one like why she signed on and she's saying like um, they said to me it's the first Halloween movie and then everything else is gone <laughs> that's why I signed on and I was like well done I mean you did sign on to come back and do them but well done I mean well, I, I mean, I watched Halloween 2 the other night and I did really enjoy it, although I wish Jamie Lee Curtis was in it more. So I'll be interested to see what the new one does differently to yeah. then warrant that story now being null and void. But it, I think it is a shame because, obviously, from years to... Like, in years, it'll be like, oh, if I want to watch a Halloween film, all those others don't matter. Yeah. So why, but I think that's just that's just a crazy thing about that universe. Like you've now got three alternate timelines <laughs> just to play around with, and I think that's fun because there are a very dedicated handful of people who, you know, Star Wars fans who prefer the prequels. 
there are fans who prefer the well, Rob Zombie. Well, three people. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, there are people who prefer the Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. Like, they think they're better and they enjoy them more. So I think you'll... And they're wrong. Look. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, they're wrong, but... Like, <laughs> I can't... I can tell them they're wrong, but I can't convince them they haven't had fun. Like, that's, what I've, that's my saying now. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I can tell you that you're wrong, but I can't convince you that you didn't have fun. I mean, they say film is subjective, but sometimes it's just like, dude, come on. No, come on. It's like there was that baity tweet of like bad films, and they had like Scott Pilgrim on there, and it's like... Who's asking for it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's also great about Jamie Lee Curtis is like, you've got that legacy as well, because we all know who her mum was. You know, right? You're looking at me with expectant I don't face. know. You, I'm sorry, I'm genuinely asking, do you know? <laughs> I, I, her mum was um, Marion Crane from Psycho. Oh, in the shower, that was her mum. Uh, and I see to think that. that you've got two iconic generations of Scream Queens, like you've got... It's ironic because she was in the show Scream Queens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Scream Queens, she literally recreates her mum's shower scene for that show. That's and somewhat nice, but in some ways quite she upsetting. Hadn't, she hadn't wanted to do it for like decades. Like loads and loads of people have had like asked her, "Will you do it? Will you like get in the shower, have a picture, like do you recreate the scene?" She refused to do it until Scream Queens because she loved the show. That she was really like into the show and then did it for that. And it was like to see kind of like two iconic generations of women in horror like be so represented like in two absolute classics <coughs> it's brilliant like I watched Psycho with my apartment the other night and it was so fun to point out things in that like, that we all loved and everything mm. that we always say is like we always love Marion yeah and then you say that about the same because it's like, such a Lauren. strong yeah. performance both of them are that's the thing that you love both characters like you sympathise with Marion even though what she's done is wrong you sympathise with Laurie even though she kind of just wants to in a perfect world, she ditched the kids and she'd go off with like her boyfriend and all the yeah. other guys in the town and make love, sweet love. But seeing that at the outdoor cinema was a fucking treat. Yeah. That was something I'll never that forget. That must have felt great. It, it, superb. Like I think that's why horror is best for outdoor cinemas, particularly when it's night and it's cold. <laughs> like you feel the real chill. It's like. Oh dear, are they behind me? That's why when we did friend request and then we invite people around for the evening, obviously friend request is not on the level of psycho. I am in no way saying that. But that's why when we did the screening outside that evening for the 12-hour film challenge, we then put in the relatable bit of the heavy breathing with the footage of him watching the film. Mm. And they'll sort of look around like, what's going on? <laughs> but that was also why I feel like A Quiet Place worked at the outdoor mm. like yeah. when I showed that um, because would, would like try. at the start like you felt the wind because there was, was there. wind yeah. and I think it was like the fact that in the theatre you couldn't control sound but you couldn't expect an element of control like lots of people weren't going to be making noise out there we couldn't control it and it was like if the wind was going if something yeah, and it was like, especially in a quiet like, place, yeah, it would add to it because it's like, no, it's like, like, oh dear. <laughs> Although that's something that annoyed me when I went to see um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, in screen two upstairs, Venom was playing and oh, you could God. just hear it and it was could like, really? yeah, in the quiet oh, moments dear. because especially with like his um, deep bassy voice, yeah. you could just hear it and it's like, no. Was it like a, was it quite clear or was it like a faint? No, song? it was faint, like... 
My dad also clocked, oh yeah, that's the other screen, but my mum just thought it was yeah. a part of the thing. Which really, wasn't I'm, surprised, too bad, I'm surprised at the Alex that that happened. Yeah. I'm quite surprised at that. Yeah. We yeah. will discuss Bohemian Rhapsody at some point. I will watch it and then I'll shit on it and we'll discuss it. I actually quite enjoyed it. but I can tell I'm going to enjoy bits of it. And yeah. the other bits I'm going to be like... Everyone comes out going, Rami Malek was fucking sensational. And then I'm going to be looking at my watch and other bits. Although, as much as I loved... Rami Malek doing Freddie Mercury. I I think the best performance in the sense of getting completely lost in it in oh they are them is the person who did Brian May. Mm. But because he was fantastic, yeah. But also while we're on a tangent off of horror, I can go out and see A Star Is Born. I'm dying to talk about this. I'm desperate to see it. It is. If I have time this weekend, it's the top of my list. Please do. I have. Ten pounds left for free spending. Like it's two films in the in in view, you can do it. Literally, I can literally go and see it. I literally spent money on the stuff for the short film today. That's another point about Halloween, about how like the kind of imagery of the tight opening title sequence with the pumpkin. I've literally replicated that for my piece today. It's literally <laughs> showing how like this shit just matters to so many people, and it just translates. Like it's just so perfect in how it is just it's a creepy man following you at night and coming into your house when you don't want him to it's just any human being can relate to that you don't need to be man or yeah. woman any person can be scared of someone in their house when they shouldn't be and I think that's why he has the mask because it is just another detachment from identity because yeah. it, it could be en- we obviously know who's under the yeah. mask but it's just that detachment and that lack of humanity mm. there as he just slowly but surely comes up yeah. to you and I think that's it. why Loom is saying he is evil like he's not Michael yeah. he's the embodiment of evil that's why that is so memorable as a character and as a line because he just personifies it entirely I somewhat like that in the way of it then somewhat explaining oh that's why he doesn't die when he's shot and whatever but no this, this is a classic and I mean it's just it's like you can see it not on like a narrative level or a style level, like you can see it on technical levels as well. Like you look at it follows, and the entirety of the score for that is the Halloween score. It's so similar and it's perfect. It's going for that vibe. If you look at the first few um, Friday the Thirteenth movies, where it's like Jason with the sack on his head, it's just the simplified costuming of Michael replicated for a new character. It's just everywhere, like and it's still felt and people still give a damn. Like every year, people watch Halloween for their 31 days of horror, which we've loved doing, by the way, and we'll probably talk about it later. And every year, new films come out like Halloween, and it won't stop. How Carpenter just composed this, it's always the simple stuff that mm. obviously all these complex symphonies that are composed for all these films are fantastic and they help engross you and bring you into the moment, but sometimes it's just the simple stuff yeah. like the few piano keys and that just it's like one of the reasons why I love slash hate HMV mm. in town because I'll be in there and suddenly it starts playing and I'll yeah, look over my like, shoulder because I'm like fuck <laughs> and like, I stand by the fact that it's excluding Jaws the best horror theme of all time like, because there's just mm. nothing more iconic in my mind that I think 
horror. Like, unless if it's dun 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 Like, that's just iconic in my yeah, mind. Yeah, because the Jaws one is in every day. People reference that all the time. Like, even just walking up behind yeah. him, like... Dun, 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 dun. Like, Jaws is the terror of the moment, but Halloween is just pure dread of the inevitable. Like, he's coming for you. You don't know where, you don't know when. But you can always guarantee that he's coming. Weird thing with this film. This is only for me personally because I'm a goddamn fool. Mm. Um, you know the detective in the long coat. What? The, the psychiatrist? You mean? Psychiatrist. Loomis. Yeah, yeah, Loomis. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but I just associate him with The Exorcist. Yes. Mm. There is just so like. What do you mean, like the old man, like that Max Monsello plays? Mm. Yeah, I completely get you there. Like they're very similar characters in that sense. Like very cautiously bought into what they've got to do and trying the entire time to like convince like yes this is happening like that's the thing about the exorcist as well it's like most of those characters try and convincingly convince like Karis like yes you still have you can still have faith and I think that's like why both those horror films work so essentially well because the exorcist isn't about an exorcism it's about a man trying to rediscover his faith Mm. and Halloween isn't about like a like a, a crazed killer it's about like coincidences it's just it's like wrong place wrong time mm. it's where you end up will get you in trouble and then it is just that relatable horror and you could be walking past and then it's like yeah. it just turns into Ash and he's like I choose you and it's just wrong place wrong time and it just it kind of calls back to kind of like an era of horror where it's like right let's build an idea like that like a man to rediscover his faith wrong place wrong time and then build an idea off that whereas today it's like oh I've got a cool idea for like what a cool character will look like let's build a film off of that yeah like I imagine I'm not going to say A Quiet Place but like I can imagine a lot of that was like what if it's a film where you can't make noise yeah then something fell off that whereas the core of the narrative is very different I think that's what they used to do back in the day whereas now it's like because ideas are a lot more spent it's like right let's come up with a gimmick that hasn't been seen before like this is spoilers for Hereditary, by the way, so if you haven't seen it, just turn off for five seconds. The way Ariaster pitched this, uh, pitched Hereditary, mm. was he was like, it's sacrificial lamb going into slaughter, but mm. from the perspective of the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. So you just don't realise it to start off with until it's too late, and it's that sort of idea where it, they're always the strongest ones, where they have the base foundation on it meaning something else mm. or even just having more thought behind it instead yeah. of just oh this is a cool idea for a death mm. this is a cool idea for that oh that would look cool yeah which is a lot of what horror does these days like you look at something like The Nun yeah or Happy Death Day like they're just yeah. ideas whereas this is like I'm just an idea just an idea let's build a premise of something and that's like because what you say hereditary is like that's the amazing bits which like you think it's all about Tony Collette's character and then it's like Holy shit, no, I should have been watching Peter in the entire film. It's yeah. him that it's all about. See, I sort of, in Hereditary, I sort of thought, oh, okay, they're putting on Tony Collette, but it's going to be her, like yeah. the girl, and then she... Gone. And it's like, well, well yeah. okay then. Yeah. I think it's just, it kind of speaks to me wholeheartedly because, like, it is my favourite genre of horror, like, you can make an argument for sci-fi in my mind and drama, but I think it is just the most compelling 
genre in the eye sense that I can just take a silly little idea and build something so large out of it. Like we we recently made like we made the summary recently finished editing, we made a short film called Pear Wand. That literally came with me came to me the idea it's like, right, what happens when someone gets in the way of evil? Like what happens when someone gets in the way of like evil and then I came up with an idea it's like, right, what happens when a guy's third wheeling and a demonic entity wants to kill a young couple? And he's like, hmm, I'll get in the way of that. It's like, yeah, let's watch a Marvel movie or two. And then it built from that. And I think that's why Halloween works. Like, they've been able to just take a small idea, build so much out of it, and it just becomes something that so many people could then attach their own things to. And that's why horror works, because you attach your own part of it to it. Yeah, like... That's why Halloween works. Like, when I spoke to Paul McGann, he was like, oh, it's always the simplest ideas that work the most effective because it's always the complex ones where they over-explain it and they over-analyse it and it's just like, mm, okay. Mm. But it's like the Weeping Angels don't blink. Uh. That's, such a, <laughs> that's such a simple premise but is so effective. Something that the audience isn't aware of <coughs> is that Jake has a Weeping Angel toy on his shelf and I've been toy like, it's an action figure oh, it's an action figure <laughs> and I've been like very afraid to like look up at his shelf ever since I don't like looking at his shelf now because I know that it's up there and it's pointing at me and I don't like it one bit oh God, they're terrifying if only we were back in the um, back in the routine of doing more sour popcorns because if we could have done it in time for Halloween because just looking up at my thing I just saw Resident Evil 7 again and it was like we could do a sour popcorn plays of Resident Evil 7 I guarantee you there's going to come a day where I force him to actually do a sour popcorn plays and he lives up to the point of it and we will do one because I, I have been referencing to Zach for ages oh, okay we will do a sour popcorn plays oh we'll do it on Bioshock I'll and I can guarantee it. you if it's not Bioshock it will be a horror game please and it'll be one that I pick <coughs> Like we've got a lot of things we're wanting him to play. Although I want it to be like a two-player game, so it's not just... Well, we'll get there, we'll get there. I mean, Call of Cthulhu's out today. Mm. Literally, when we're done here, I am going home to stream that. I mean, once once we've seen Halloween, once we've seen that, once we've got through all that, like, fucking that's going to be a late night tonight. I'm gonna yeah, go the fog finishes at 20 Cthulhu. to 12, and then we have to walk back. And then I'll be... I'll, I'm just going to continue to play Resident Evil 7, because I haven't played that in ages. I've what did you what did you get up to Resident Evil Seven? I never asked. Um, I got shit scared, and then I sort of half glitched it, and then I'm too. Essentially, I shot the dad in the head. Yeah. And then I escaped. Then I was exploring upstairs, and I was doing a few puzzles, and then he just comes out of nowhere because I was in the bathroom. Yeah. See, it's <laughs> still it's still not very up. far. Yeah. Oh god. But then, as he was chasing me around the upstairs. I fell downstairs, and then now he's still searching for me upstairs, yeah. but I'm too scared to go upstairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People in my apartment were playing the other day, and I was just like, oh, God, I need someone who's played all of it so I can talk to about it, and what they think it means, and where it's going to go in the future. I can't wait for Resident Evil 8. I think we can safely say we've talked about Halloween now. <laughs> like that's. <laughs> Have we? I think we've spoken about Halloween for all of... Maybe 10 what, minutes. like 10 minutes and we're now 40 minutes in <laughs> I don't care we've had a good time on Halloween like, we have actually raised some very good points about it like if you haven't seen Halloween just if you ever do a 31 days of horror like we have do yourself a favour and make that your first one like just endeavour to see Halloween even if you do it from like 
analysis perspective like you just go into it just to learn from it you will learn something about editing you will learn something about scoring you will learn something about costume design it's a teachable film mm. and it just layer upon layer there's something new each time and even if you aren't scared of it because you've seen all these tropes done newly in modern horror films just go back and respect it respect your elders <laughs> I mean she's turning into Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino <laughs> I've never seen Gran Torino actually so I don't know but I can imagine Clint Eastwood saying something like that. <laughs> yes that was Halloween we're going to get onto that someday. I don't like Clint Eastwood as a director. We're going to get into that one day. As a director, fair enough. He's just like, he's so old. But, but, but that baby in American Sniper gave the best performance I've ever seen. Shut up. <laughs> so, seeing as how we don't have a new horror to really review this week, we've got a number of films in mind that we have had the pleasure of seeing at the new lovely view within distance to us that has become a home away from home. But we're going to save that for like a future episode where we'll just give you like 10 in an episode. Yeah. So we think we don't take a much of a personal perspective on the show. We don't talk about ourselves nearly enough. I mean, I know I don't. I don't tell you nearly enough about myself. Like, for all you know, I'm blonde. That could be a thing. So we're going to give you an insight into us today. I'm going to tell you what blonde. scares us. Yeah, I know, right? Of all the things you could have said, um, my eyes are different colours, my... I'm actually three foot or something like that and you go with blonde <laughs> yeah I mean imagine it'd be scary wouldn't it like if I just walked in one day and I was blonde I don't think you'd be able to cope with it you'd be looking at me all day and it'd be just like what did he do it'd be like you're trying to be Slim Shady or something mm. who's Slim Shady I've never had such disappointment like from Jake though. I know who Slim Shady is. Knock, knock, let the devil in. <laughs> we would be discussing Venom in the future because that needs like 12 hours of us arguing about that. I've got about... I, I have many ideas for a video essay slash review of Venom. And all these ideas... Do Just don't ever do it. And all these ideas I think are going to contribute to it being like 15 hours long. <laughs> yeah. That's why the world doesn't need it. So... As I was trying to say, we're going to give you a personal insight into us today. We're going to discuss kind of a classic and a contemporary, because we've been doing 31 Days of Horror and it's given us like a chance to go back, particularly for Jake, and watch some classics and some modern ones that he hasn't seen and get more of a bit of a flair for like what classic horror is like. So we're going to go back and talk about some old ones that are our favourites and talk about some new ones that are our favourites as well. Because I was, for a long time, what some would scientifically consider a bit of a wimp and I was not too keen on horror but now I can't get enough of it I was a macabre little boy like I literally used to draw, draw drawings in primary school of Freddy Krueger so I grew up on this shit you're the kid from the omen I literally am Damien <laughs> it's all for you Damien just throws herself off the roof oh, God, I love the omen so much I'm glad you've seen that now so We'll go on with you first. And I believe you said that your classical pick was... My classic pick, and why I love it, is The Wicker Man. It's not oh, my yes. favourite horror film. It's not the like most tense or anything. Well, actually, there is oh, an yeah, argument yeah. that it is. But the reason why I love The Wicker Man 
is that it's not supernatural, it's not some unstoppable force, mm. it is people, the horror of people. Like it it just shows the 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 furthest extent because this is somewhat somewhat based on fact because yeah. this is the culture of one of the Scottish islands mm. and even in the credits it says thank you to the people of this island for helping us understand you and whatever like that and to me that is just so disturbing and I was going through it like okay the, this is fairly traditional all these odd things are going on he's going to end up this that and the other but then it was the moment on the cliff and it was like oh shit he's not going to be able to get out of this because you sort of have the confidence of oh he's a police officer people are going to come yeah. looking for him but then you sort of think after he's in the wicker man and he's burning they could do anything mm. with his body or more police officers would come and then they wouldn't be able to find him because yeah. who knows what they've done with him and who knows what they can do with him because uh, after he's dead he can't do anything well obviously he can't <laughs> fucking do anything but is that what happens to you when you die? <laughs> but it's just how s I don't know if subtle's the word to use or not mm. but just how creepy especially Christopher Lee is because oh, Christ, yeah. he's just speaking to him at the start you think he's on his side mm. And then he just turns and it's like, well, what happens when the crop doesn't come because this doesn't exist? And yeah. he's like, it will come. Yeah. And then I sort of want to see what would happen the next year when the crop doesn't come. Mm -hmm. And then if they turn on him where he's like, right, no, we then have to do this or we then have to do that. But I, I think, can't get enough of this. I think if it wasn't for Rosemary's Baby, this would be the best cult movie possibly ever made. What film about cults? Yeah, about cults. Yeah. Like just the nature of how it's explored and that, like how it is like made very ritualistic, very tribal, and yet slap bang in the middle of it. You talk about it being like relatable because it is just normal human beings. I find it so relatable because slap bang in the middle of it, there's a British policeman. Yeah. <laughs> he's dressed in the standard hello sir, British police officer. He's good old Bobby. And he sticks that like a sole thumb, and that's why it works so well because it's just. I remember the, specifically the first time I saw this. I can't remember when. I think I was a bit too young to be watching it. Definitely a bit too young. That's my mum and dad for you. And seeing that, it was like, right, this is a natural figure of authority. This is the most recognisable character I will probably ever see because it's a policeman in that uniform. You know, it's like they're normally yeah, seen see it like, as safe. Mm. They're seen as... If anyone's going to be able to save the day, it's this policeman. It's, he will find out what's wrong and then it's like the fucker doesn't make it out yeah, I was thinking like... while watching, oh, okay, so he'll go in and then he'll come out, he'll barely scrape it out alive, but he'll come out fine and then he just fucking gets burnt yeah. alive. And I think you spend so much of the film, like, what is the Wicker Man, you think? And then the monolith is eventually shown. Because like, you see, like, oh, the Wicker Man, like, what is that going to be? And then when that monolithic, just hulking man is just shown the tower that he's trapped inside, it's just one of the most iconic, like, set or just designs for horror I think ever made. I think there's 
the flight the the, the um the flight room in the original Alien mm. with the um the space jockey, and then there's that. It's just such an out of this world, but yet wholly human thing. Like the fact that it's made of like corn and bronze <coughs> and wicker. And yeah, it's just it's and it represents man, but yet something so terrifying and horrifying comes out of it, like in the just the perversion of these people. In my head, I I kept thinking, oh, okay, so well, he could clearly kick down that that gate, or oh, he could squeeze that. It's only wood, but then what would happen if he did? They would yeah. build another one, put him in. He's he's contained on this island, and again, going back to the horror of man. Gareth Evans, who does the raid, said that when he does horror and when he does things like that, it's it's never the supernatural. It's always what people can do to each other, what horrifying things can be done. And also, he did Apostle on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, he proved that. Very good. I very much enjoyed Apostle. Yeah. I wouldn't really see it. I think if you go into <clears throat> Apostle thinking it's a horror, you may be somewhat disappointed. <coughs> yeah. But I think if you go into it with an open mind, thriller that sort of thing, then you would yeah. just be like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. This is There are fantastic. horrifying things in it, but it is not a horror. Yeah. It's like Silence of the Lambs. Like, that's yeah. not a horror film, but there are horrifying things in it. I would say that's more psychological thriller. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what Apostle is, really. Yeah. And that's why it works. And I think, in ways you can kind of call The Wicker Man the same thing. Because it is just like, it's him, like, particularly at the end, like, it is that psychological, like, yes, it is full-on horror, like, he's being burned alive, but at the same time, it's like, what is happening to these people? How how he gets through that? Mm. They don't make, and it's again I said like, they don't make horror films like this anymore. They don't make horror films like The Wicker Man anymore. Like they tried to make a horror film like that. Not the base, and it was Nicolas Cage with these, and it's like, uh, why do you exist? Although the what I find to be the most effective, like um, a monster of the week type episode of Supernatural. Mm. is when it was just oh shit it was people like it's that brilliant <coughs> episode of Torchwood where they go out into the countryside and it's that they think it's like an alien and it's like fuck no this is just people and then like Gwen has a full on breakdown it's like I mm. thought the most vicious things we were going to see were like coming from like the rift and the stars and it's like no these people are just fucked up <laughs> people are terrifying people are shit just lock your doors stay inside just get drones to deliver everything. Skynet, if you're listening, take us <laughs> kill over. Kill us all, kill us all. I don't care, do it. If you're actually listening, please don't. <laughs> oh, God. But like, and that's just says it again, because these people aren't possessed. They're not de- like demons. They're not like... Although it is such... Fra- they're just led astray. It's such striking imagery when they have the masks on. Oh, Christ. And that's again like what we were talking about with Michael. It's the detachment of mm. humanity... Yeah. It's like when they did that there's that beautiful post they did where it's like it's um I forget the name of the bloke, I think his name's Dan something. Like he did beautiful posters and it's like it's you see the wicker man burning and then you just see the people with the ram's heads yeah. and the goat's faces and it's just it's disgusting. Uh it's just it just stays with you though. Hmm. What was your classic one that you were my classic one I mentioned it earlier is actually Alien. Yeah. I just there's not a year where I don't watch this film. I think in all honesty it's in my top ten, like of all time. Alien is just a perfect film. 
like it's just fantastically well made. Everything about it holds up. So many layers to it. So many ways it could have been done differently and done wrong, and yet Ridley Scott just said, "Right, let's make this this way." And it just works. Something that I love about the Alien films, which is not exclusive, but it's somewhat mainly seen in them, it's that they essentially have a four-act structure because there's yeah. always that moment on, oh, you think it's safe, but then, mm. no, it's still there. It still yeah. comes out. It, that There is no escaping the xenomorph. Yeah, and I think the first three in particular have three of the most memorable four-facts of all time where it's just... Holy shit, it's actually still in the pod with her. Get away from her, you bitch. And then I want to die. And she throws herself off the bridge. Like, all yeah. of them are just so iconic. But I think what that first one builds is just so. It hasn't been replicated nearly as well as anything save for a video game. And even then, that's just a straight copy and paste of what this film is. Yeah. And like it just plays you for so long. Because you go throughout so much of the film and you think it's. Um, the guy who plays Dallas, I think his name's, um, I can't even remember his name, but like you think it's him who's the main character for so much of it. You think, right, Dallas is going to be the bloke that leads us out of this. But my dad had literally said to me, like, when, before the movie started, like, right, the main character's called Ripley, and I literally assumed that Ripley was a man. I assumed that the guy playing Dallas was Ripley. Ripley was going to make it out at the end. And then they do that complete flip on you. Dallas has gone halfway through, and it's Ripley that is the main character. Like, they're, they're building her up throughout all of that film like I'm not gonna let you in because it's quarantine she's shitting on Parker it's like do your fucking job don't complain all the time beats the crap out of Lambert when she tries to like say you didn't let them fucking in it's like and then she just comes full through and it's like how the fuck did I miss such a strong character as actually clearly the lead just because a man was stood there and it just embarrasses you a little bit at least me personally and then you juxtapose that with like every other member of the cast they're just fantastic like Ian Holm in particular as Ash because there's just so again like you said so many telltale signs of what he is like, I love this like, little scene where they go out into the um, into the ship and it's like he's just been left behind and he just does um little jog on the spot just like and he's just trying to like relax himself trying to appear more human trying to do something to like calm his Android stuff down, and you don't think what that is looking at it beforehand and then you look back and it's like it's so clear and I love horror films any kind of film like he did he did later with Blade Runner like it's a film where you watch it once and then you instantly need to go and watch it again to find the little things hmm. and it's just like it's the pride and joy of sci-fi horror you don't get better than Alien yeah and I think like I haven't seen a horror film that I just think been designed that well ever like what H.R. Geiger did with that ship the design of the creature itself like it's just so foul I hate I mean it does exactly what it was designed oh, yeah. to do but I hate the whole like rape idea of it yeah, all like you, no matter what you do you can't do it and they said that they built on that and it oof. and it's just they they design it down to the bone so that's terrifying on every level like the face hugger itself is just pure nightmare fuel and then you think like oh it's the perfect organism we can't kill it because it will literally tear the ship apart with the acid and then when it turns into the chestburster it's that iconic horrific scene that mm. they had no idea was coming 
and then <coughs> when it's the fully grown thing, it's the hulking abominations. Like Jesus Christ, this thing is just beyond words. And it's just on all three levels. Like I think with lots of horror films, the villains get less scary as the film goes on. Freddy gets less scary as that film goes on. Yeah. So does Jason. The alien doesn't because it can constantly evolves, and you see so little of it. Like it's really until the end that you don't see the full thing and its full body. And that's what I love about it. Like, you see bits of the tail, you see bits of the face, and it just works. And it's just like that constant, like... There's just such things like corporalism in it, like where it's just that brilliant line where she goes in to, to like, speak to the mother control, and it's like, crew expendable. And it's just the coldness of it. And like it really does son- personify like, the idea of like the tagline. It's just, in space, no one can hear you scream. It's not because it's like the terror and the horror of like the alien itself. It's just, it's like... They literally know that you're going to die, but they've sent I'm you. I'm going out to there die. Any, they've literally sent you out there anyway to go and get it because an alien is more valuable than your life, even though you have a daughter at back home. Yeah. Like how they explore that even more in. Yeah, aliens. that's why I love the director's cut for Alien so much because that's just such a little beautiful feature that builds on the relationship with Newt so much more. And it's like when they did um, because all three directors were like invited back to do director's cuts for this these movies and then when they did Alien I think he added only one scene and that's where you find out what happened to Dallas and that's an amazing little addition and it doesn't need anything else it's just perfect mm. and just there's I talk about like Jaws and Halloween being the best horror scores but I think the best score just to unnerve me is the Alien soundtrack and just like even again like the feelings of triumph at the end when she does kill it and that like momentous and harmonious score just kind of comes in and it just plays and it's like you just feel such a sense of triumph at the end of those movies and it's always because of the score like particularly with Aliens and then you just build such an archetype that goes so well for Alien 3 with Ripley and you're crying Alien 3 is underrated film. like people just need to it's one of my favourite films like that film it's I don't want to say it, but it's made by my favorite Frencher movie. Like, I know he hates it, but I love it. I don't want to keep coming back to it and seeming like I'm bragging, but speaking to Paul, Paul no, you McGann... Don't, you, don't, you don't brag at all, that's your claim to fame. Speaking to Paul McGann about Alien 3 was something special, because I was, just him talking about working with David Fincher and him saying about the passion that he has and how, like, George Lucas found him in a school when he was like small and he was making all these models and he can literally he could literally just do everything and he would go in he was the youngest person on set and he would just go in and he'd know exactly what to do and even though it was like over budget and over time and everything like that just the passion in that man David Finch you're just what what do we do to deserve you (laughs) and something as well that I say quite a bit because I had to wait for ages for you to watch Alien. I had to wait fucking forever. <laughs> and then when you finally watched it, I was just over the moon. And you finally got around to watching that. And you finally did me proud and you became a man. You say that with like every classic film I then watch. You're like, yeah, finally. Because you, you, you take forever, man. You take fucking forever with these things. I am getting through a lot of... A lot of films at the minute which you've I'm gotten better with. I've gotten I've been very proud of you this 31 days of horror I actually curated a very good list 
Like I had my sleazy shit in there, like Happy Death Day. But then for the most part it was classics like Suspiria and then everything like that. Mine's just gone with the wind. It's just been kind of like make it up as I go along, honestly. (laughs) And I think that's worked. No, what I've liked slash hated about 31 Days of Horror is it's meant that I've definitely seen at least one film a day. Where yeah. it's like, right, okay, I have to, I have to see this yeah. instead of like, oh, it's late, I'm put it off. I mean, it's yeah. it's completely ruined my oh, sleep yeah, schedule. Yeah. Oh Christ! Yeah. But who needs a sleep schedule? Yeah. University students. We're fun. at this point where it's like we get to like that point in the night. It's like I've been editing for three hours. I don't want to do anything other than sleep. It's like oh, I've now got to go and watch Suspiria, mm. or I've got to go and watch Friday the Thirteenth. And how oh how long is it? Oh, it's two hours. What time is it? Oh, it's half three in the morning, yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I mean, I've only done it once, but I have done a good old switcheroo and changed, like, from when I was going to have, like, a two-hour film, I changed it to a quick, like, one hour 21. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I just changed which day I was watching it on, because I was just like, I just need to go uh, to bed. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but, because I still also want to enjoy it. Like, if it was the long one, I know that by the yeah. end of it, I'll be like, oh, no, come on, but... And it pays to stay awake with a lot of these. Yeah. Because they're brilliant. What's been your favourite new film that you've seen? I don't know. Through, film that through seen. 31 Days of Horror. Oh, it's really Because like, I know you've rewatched a few. But I've, I've, I've endeavoured yeah. to see only new ones. But I rewatched a few because like, that's what I do every Halloween. I've just got to watch these as the season approaches. But I think if I'm talking new. I think Suspiria was just such an eye-opener. Like, mm. seeing... And we're talking about the that. original, the new one as well, yeah. Yeah, the new, the new one. And we mean, mean, like, new to us. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was just such an eye-opener. Like, visual horror like that I'd never seen. And just... The use of colour, the use of sound, the use of actually effective gore. And it's... I'm such a lover of foreign horror. Like, Goodnight Mummy is one of my favourite horrors ever. And now I'm like straggling between like that. It's like, oh, I want this to be my new favourite foreign horror now. It's like... I forget that that's subtitled. Like, I was yeah. just watching it and I was completely mm. lost in it. Like, yeah. Obviously, I was still aware that it was subtitles. But it's actually Train to Busan that's the only one that I've actually forgotten. I was like reading subtitles. Yeah. But I just forget. But the new one's not subtitled, is it? No, no, no I think that one's in English. Yeah. I can't wait to see what. It's getting the same there. reaction as Mother. Which is good because. I mean, that's one of my favourite theatre experiences of all time. Just uh, sat there in the dark screaming. screaming. <laughs> Why? That was incredible, that. It's yeah, just, that, that was. I'm desperate to get my apartment to watch it. And just <laughs> I have the Blu ray up there and it looks so beautiful. It is a beautiful thing, man. Lydia, if you are listening, we will one day. <laughs> we will one day endeavour to watch it with you, we promise. We will watch it. Part of the celebration of Big Pick Productions. We're, we're talking very about this too much. We'll watch it. We'll have some naked picks. It'll be good. So, what is your contemporary piece? Let's keep this going. Because I would like to so eventually. So, what do we mean by contemporary classic? We're not talking about all-time no. favourites, are we? We're no, just no, no. Just, about some, just something you enjoy. Just something you want to talk about. Just something that's always you've enjoyed. Well, I have two that I was going to bring up for the recommendation, but I'll leave one for the recommendation and then one for now. The f- the one that I will talk about now is Ben Wheatley's, I believe, 2011-ish, but is 
Ben Wheatley's Killist. Never seen it. I'm desperate to see it. One of the reasons why I love it so much is because, yes, yeah, 2011's Kill List. Mm. I mean, to sell it to you, all I should have to say is Michael Smiley. Yeah. It was going to be my, um, for anyone does a horror four, I think, two days ago, but then I had to do Taking Deborah Logan instead because I couldn't get a download for Kill List. Nah. I... And it just looks incredible. Yeah, like, Neil Mascal's fantastic in it. Like, the whole cast here is on their top game. But something that I loved about this is um, the BBC do the film, then whatever year it is, and then in 2011 we were watching it and they were doing their... Uh, they were talking about it and they were saying how uh, with each scene they'd film it once with the script mm. and then they'd film it again with the actors improving. So then the the actors know the gist of it. They know for the most part, well, they know how it's supposed to end but then it can somewhat allow for some creative liberties and then to let the dialogue be more natural. Yeah, definitely. And it completely fits and it starts off slowly and you're like, oh, okay, where's this going? Or oh, what's going on? I'm not going to spoil it because you just need to experience it. Like, this doesn't have a lot of gore in it, but the few uses it has, my God, it, it floored me. Mm. It just... It feels like it takes a sharp left turn and a big curveball, but it feels natural. Because at the centre of it is these flawed, somewhat disgusting characters, and if just just watch Kill List, like people know and they love Ben Wheatley, just watch Kill List. Michael Smiley is fantastic. Nearly fantastic. Every <coughs> like I've watched a load of um, like top tens this October <coughs> season about like old recommendations to watch and like great things, and Kill List has been on nearly every single one of them. That really annoys me. I haven't had a chance to go and see it. It's actually superb. Yeah. Like, isn't it? It's like it's about hitmen, isn't it? Yeah. And like something goes, there's like a job that goes wrong, or like one of them sort of like starts having visions or something, isn't it? Or something like gets affected. Don't tell me. No, that's kind of the idea. It, it's somewhat, but not. But I'm not going to say yeah, anything because you just need to experience yeah. this. Because I was thinking like, oh, is it going to be more of like sort of a crime movie? I was worried about that. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be horror. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, that's, no, yeah, that's, that's horror. Full horror. If I get time tomorrow, then hopefully I'll watch it. Do it. If I get time after editing tomorrow, hopefully I'll find time. I'll watch it. But no, I'm annoyed. Of... Damn, I wish I'd know that was the thing that I would have made time to watch it. I just... Damn I just you, need... Carbon Horrigan! But I just need to talk about this film more. It, it, it just got me. Absolutely got me. Ben Wheatley, you're a goddamn genius. It was that moment where you'd walked into a jazz club with your new fiance and then just sat playing at the piano and was kill list and then when you got up to leave you just nodded. And then it just started playing the piano <laughs> and then it came with my beautiful credits. Yeah, fuck off people who don't like La La Land. We've met a lot of people while we've been here who aren't the biggest of fans. I'm always going to sing the praises of it. Piss off kindly if you don't like La La Land because it's perfect. Also, if we are likening Kill List to that moment in La La Land, it won't just play you out on a piano nice. It will fucking slam that piano to pieces. <laughs> it will be like that gif of the dude writing, and yes, it's gif, not gif. 
Uh, it'll be like that gif of that dude writing on the keyboard, and then he starts smacking it, and it's just bleeding everywhere. I'm glad to warp your world, because you know the bloke who invented gifs. He calls it GIF. It's an acronym, and it, the, the first word is graphic. I <laughs> know, I know, I agree with you. Does, agree. does graphic do, do, start do, with I, graphic? <laughs> I, I agree with you. I'm just telling you that the bloke who invented it calls it GIF, and I just find that odd trivia. <laughs> I mean, I sometimes find myself oscillating between the two pronunciations, but for for the most part, my conscious brain says that it's GIF, like any sane person. But I digress. <laughs> Kill list. Really good. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It is a very slow burn to get into it, so if you're not keen on slower films, it may not be for you but it needs that slow burn for it then to pack that almighty punch that just leaves you breathless. Uh, so again, I'll go to my contemporary pick then. And I have picked one that we've both seen. You actually saw it, I think it was a fortnight ago, Saw. Hmm. And I absolutely love Saw. James Wan directs the hell out of Saw. People are saying he's the next Spielberg. Hmm. Hmm. Talk to me after mm. Aquaman and then we'll yeah. see. Because even if that's not good, I think the visual level of that will be incredible. Yeah, I think everyone will be like, well, that was very well directed. Yeah, even if it wasn't a great written. But I digress, so I love so freaking much because it feels like it's a horror film where you and I could go out and make it today. It was literally made as a student film as a short film like as a cheap amateur thing and then they made a full length feature out of it like it feels so slapdash and small and yet it feels like just so it's just so incredible that something perfect comes out of it and yet it's just made for nothing also just putting this out there Saw has the best car chase sequence in any any film you know that's my one gripe with it (laughs) you know that's my one big gripe but with this something that we were talking about earlier it is that tangibility and that relatability. They've just taken people off of the street, quite yeah. literally, and shoved them into this situation. Yeah. And it is annoying that I didn't watch it ages ago because I obviously knew about the whole jigsaw killer yeah. and the synonymous, like the voice and everything, and I knew yeah. it wasn't going to be the dude from Person of Interest who yeah. also did the Joker in Dark Knight Returns. Um, in my opinion, one of the best and most underrated Jokers ever put to film, but okay. Hmm. <laughs> I said one of the best, not the best. But it was pushing too hard into oh look, it's him, it's him, it's him, yeah. which yeah, I think not. will make me struggle on a rewatch. Yeah, I think it's just it works so well in that first round, like you talk about how like um it could be anyone because you go into that film initially and you don't know that both of them are kind of horrible people. Mm. You think just. Oh shit, poor guys, why are they there? Poor things, they don't deserve to be there. And then it's only later in the sequels that you learn it's like the rule everyone that gets put in a game is there because they waste their life or somehow. Yeah, and it's actually meaningful. This yeah. is why, like, um, while I haven't seen any of the sequels to it, um, this is one of the reasons why I think I'm going to struggle with it because I think it will mainly be flat out gore on, oh, let's just do this moment, that'll be a cool death. Whereas in this one, I mean, uh, I'm guessing it carries across on all these people don't appreciate life. But in this one, it's like, 
That is very, very flawed logic. But you somewhat see where he's coming yeah. from. Yeah. Because, like, as they build up so much more about the character, like, he suffers from cancer and he's like, I don't have a life ahead of me, but you people do. Cherish it. Yeah. And although he, like, like, although he teaches you that in a disgustingly unorthodox way, it works. And it proves it in the later films because characters come back from this first film and their lives have changed. Not necessarily for the better, but they realise that it did have an experience upon them and their lives did change to end the specific things that Jigsaw found fault in them. Obviously, like I said earlier, I haven't seen the sequels, but something I love about this one is, like, I don't know if he comes back, because you said some characters come back, but Lee Wanell, the writer, who yeah, he yeah, plays, yeah. that ending... Oh, Christ, yeah. Like, mm. I, he may come back, but to my knowledge, he was just trapped in there, and he just bled out, and he's dead. I would tell you, he is. He, oh, did, he didn't okay. make it out. Good, he did not, good, good, good. No, good. he did not make it out. Because that, just, that to like, me, would completely undermine... Like they revisit, they they revisit elements of the character, but that iconic ending, like that's, there's, they make attempts in the later Saw films to recreate that scene, and it never goes well. They do it in seven, and it's awful. What where they try and redo the exact same scene, or is in they try and do that sort of ending with different characters? They essentially try and do both of what you've just said. That scene oh. with different characters and they try and like give them that same fate and it doesn't work but it does with that first film because you have had so long to like look at them struggle. Like I think the first film works perfectly because you're only watching one trap. Like mm. yeah, you see flashes of other traps but with the, the primary focus of the first film is that they are stuck in that room you're watching the trap they're stuck in whereas the emphasis that you see about five or six per film and it's you're going through it's like right how are they going to get through this one but the fact that the first one works you watch the struggle and it's just so humanised and it's so deplorable and the blood classes fucking fall off and although there is so much flesh and gore (coughs) in the latter movies you don't get something that's equivalent to that like just him having to just like tear off his shirt and just like psych himself up to cut off his foot you don't get something like that in another movie or just like that scene where he's just like screaming like to try and get the phone to try and see if his wife's alive or not and you don't get that fear and terror within the later ones in the later ones what you said earlier like it is it does from three onwards become just about the traps just about the gore but two and three do try and create very interesting narratives very interesting ideas that relate to Jigsaw but this first film had amazingly let's just focus on the victims of the trap mm. let's focus on the struggle and the just the terror that they go through and you feel it because they're in the most disgusting room in the world he literally puts his hand in that toilet and it's foul Ugh. and it's just it's a positive that you're learning things as they do and I love films that can do that like where from the outside of that you know literally as much as they do when Adam wakes up you don't know who they are and by the end of it you've learned just as much about them as they have each other and you can still then feel sympathy for them even though you know hey he cheats on his wife hey he spies on people for money they're not exactly society's best and greatest but I still don't want the guy to cut his bloody foot off mm. I feel for them and then like when it's that reveal of oh he did know him the whole time because mm. he was following him for that yeah although 
something that did bug me. How did he not see that camera flash and hear the camera going? Yeah. Because I thought that was just really obvious in there. Yeah, I think it's that. just, it's like... Especially back when photos and cameras weren't as, like, yeah. available as they are now. It was a much bigger thing on, oh, that is a picture you just took of me. But, oh well, I digress. <laughs> Out of the traps in the first one, what was, like, your favourite that you saw? Possibly the jaw. Well, the reverse bear trap. Yeah. yeah. That's like the most iconic trap of the whole series. Yeah, like, like when they did just... the 15-year anniversary, that was the poster. Yeah. Because they knew that... It's just incredible. Like, I, there's, there was a man, he was like selling like replica metal ones. Like, you couldn't put it on, but like you could have it like on a display case, and it's Ugh. like... It's on my bucket list for things to own, like props and movies. It's the, the original reverse bear what, trap. Do you want your house to be like Guillermo del Toro's? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. That house tour was <sighs> phenomenal. Guillermo, please. Uh, I've been trying to hit you up for quite some time now. We know I'm, you're listening. We know you're listening. Uh, and I'm, I'm somewhat getting the message in the memo. But just hit me up. I think we'd be the best of friends. We wouldn't be colleagues. We'd be <laughs> best friends. <laughs> see the pain in my sex eyes. <laughs> he's just doing it <laughs> there was a moment earlier today <laughs> where we were trying to shoot a film and Jake said something to me <laughs> that I think like there only have been very few moments in my life where I've felt real and utter pain like losing the love of my life shortly a few months ago has become a very close second now to what you said to me <laughs> All the pain that I felt then, all the embarrassment that I went through, has become second to what you said today. What you said today actually broke something in me. I thought, this is a man I've tried for years to work with now, to try to make like me. What am I to him? I'm just a colleague. He laughs, but he doesn't know how long for I went home and thought about it afterwards. It was a he doesn't know how I laid on my shower floor. It was a perfect moment in the... It, it was somewhat like in the first Thor where he goes to pick up the hammer, but because he isn't worthy anymore... I, I don't mean it as in, like, you're not worthy. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, is that what you're saying? No, fucking listen. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it as in, like, that's the context. But he goes to just casually lift it up because Zach said a joke, and then he turns to me to, like, emphasise it. Like, then... I was just like, we're not, we're colleagues. <laughs> and he laughs about it, but it, it really hurt. It really hurt. I don't even want to clarify that I'm joking because you should know this. No, I don't. You know what I'm like. I don't, that's the worst bit. Because I don't think you are joking sometimes. We'll get back to it though. My favourite trap in the base of the saw is the, um, the, um, the Razor Wire Maze. Because that's fucked up. Oh, Crawling no. through that. And then, like, when they do the autopsy later, and there's, like, bits of his organs, like, strung out, and he's, like, as he's pulled forward, like, it's ripped out, like, bits of his intestines. Ugh. And they revisit that in later films as well, and it's like, fuck. It's just. Every single trap was so memorable, so clever. And then, even when it's a death, there's not a trap. Like, when Sing gets killed, and he's, like, running through the corridor, yeah. and just his head gets blown off with a shotgun, you don't even see it. It's just, it's, like, the blood running down his suit. It's just so incredible and memorable. I love every piece of that movie. What they managed to do on that budget is... 
it's mainly the low budget stuff because mm. there is normally that passion behind it mm. unless it's some shit like what was it you logged on letterboxd it was that you did oh, it the other of day Halloween Jack. yeah oh that was awful Seriously, get me talking about that someday. I'll be there for hours. Like, I want to I want to make you watch that because it just makes oh. you love everything else. It reminds you how, how even if this course goes awfully for us, even if we produce utter shit, it doesn't matter because people will pay for it. <laughs> my, fr- my, my friend, the apartment, he spent five pounds on that. Oh. If enough people spend money on Poor that, sod. I felt so bad for it. I don't think they even, by the sounds of it, I don't think they even spent ten pound, no, five pounds on the film. <laughs> He literally but, thought all oh, the cover looks nice. I thought, we don't need to try hard. It'll just it'll, it'll go for us. I'll remind you of that in like forty years. It'll be the moment from Train Spotting Two where we see each other in the bar. It's been so long, and it's just like, what happened? Where have you been for twenty years? But yeah, I I've found that it's mainly like the low budget stuff that the filmmakers have been campaigning to. Like for the budget, for for the money to tell that story, like with a quiet place from this year, for example, and then like with Saw, and it's the low budget stuff where they know what they want to explore, they know what they want to tell, because they have that passion behind it and they have that drive. If one thing comes out of it, because I know a shitty franchise was born out of it. I love all of them, regardless. I know they're crap, but I still love them because they're fun to watch. I really hope someday you watch two and three. I because I will watch two and three. Two and three, I point. think you will wholeheartedly enjoy because it is two. fairly easy viewing. Oh hell yeah! Like you don't need to. It's horror where you can turn your brain off. Yeah. Quite literally, and just have it work. But it just it just kind of sets up hope for me that like if they can get that done, if they can create that with nothing. Then I think anyone can create something scary and horrifying because lots of people are terrified of that movie, and lots of people still can't watch it even though you don't really see him cut his foot off. People are like, "Oh, it's the most violent movie ever!" You really see very little gore in that film yeah. because they didn't have the money to show it's the it. The implication yeah. of gore—it's how he reacts to it, it's how they act. The implication. The implication, and that's what sells it for me. Because these days, I'm gonna go back and watch it again now. <laughs> these days, you will see someone. Like have their head blown off. And yeah. Like, oh my god, the gore, the shock. But where it was like, and that's what that franchise became. But where in that first film, it was very much about like, right, how can I show this man reacting to this? Although that's one of my grievances with Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. Mm. I'm not going to spoil it, but like really oh, good prosthetics and the special effects throughout, yeah. and then it's that final shot. Yeah, the end. You know exactly what yeah, I'm on about. He looks like pottery. Yeah. Oh, that, that's horrible. I'm not going to spoil it, but like, do watch it. It's fairly good. It's very gory, but that's, I've quite been slow. Just, every time I go home, literally every time I go home, I'm like, right, what should, I, what, what should I watch with my dad? And I consistently forget to put that on. Then when I go come back here, and I'm like, for fuck's sake, I should have put Brawl on Cell Block 99 on. He'd have loved it. And I'm like, mm. fuck. Oh, my dad would have hated it. Hates things that, like that. My dad likes lands. It works. But no. no, my dad's much more kind of with a chance of meatballs type of type of type of dude. I'm proud of Dave when he put um, um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> I was like, well, Dave, good taste, Dave. I think if there is something we can also aspire to, it's like not to just like make something brilliant from nothing. It's like just be Dave. <laughs> we're gonna start a hashtag here, people. Uh, no, we're not. Be Dave. No, we're not. <laughs> 
If you live in a society... You don't understand. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> Do yourself a favour and just tweet. Be more like Dave. We know that we only have one listener, and that is indeed Mr. Boulder. <laughs> so <laughs> and he will probably tweet, be more like Dave. Hey, we got sponsored by McDonald's one time. We didn't get sponsored by McDonald's, we got sponsored by Becca. <laughs> I mean, man, she was good enough to give you free food, and that's enough. I mean, it starts with free food, you never know where it's going to end up. Before you know it, you're using, before you know it, you're using the staff toilet. And then, you, and then you really have made it. Toilet. Jesus Christ. Uh, I've made it. I mean, we've met people in this course who have met, like, Mr. Wiseau and Dick and Don, but, like, you've... I've made it. I used the staff Christ. toilets at McDonald's. How does, it, how does it feel to know that you've peaked? How does it feel? Like, really feel? Um, to be honest, I've peaked early, man. <laughs> so, there are sort of discussions on Halloween and then two classics that we both love and then two contemporaries that we both love and if you haven't seen them what are you doing listening to this we've just spoiled it for you but watch it and we we say these because we've both loved the doing this for anyone knows of horror it's an experience we highly recommend for anyone who does want to try this over Halloween and we say it because it has given us a taste of like both classic and modern and it's taught I think both of us more about filmmaking about yeah. as who we are as filmmakers me particularly like and I think it's just it's important to watch both and I think horror is the best example of where you can get that because I know lots of people don't like to sit through 70s movies lots of people don't want to watch The Godfather it's not easy to often watch but horror is one of those examples where you can go back and watch some of the older stuff because there is just something universally relatable about how scary it is to have someone in your house when they shouldn't be there so yeah, go and watch more horror. Especially Suspiria. Even if you're not keen on subtitles. I mean, some of the reviews for the dubbed version say that it's the worst dubbing you've ever heard. Mm. That's why I'll watch the subtitled yeah, one. But do yourself the favour, because that shook me to my core. And I, wa- I was just in awe watching it, like, this is why I want to make films. This is art with an E apostrophe above it. And that Robbie will be proud. <laughs> But I know I'm going to say that whenever we discuss First Man, like, this is why I want to make films, for the experience to put people through that and things like that, but... I can say this, that our audience is not ready for when we discuss First Man. <laughs> because I'm going to bring the pheromone. I'm going to... I'm going to <laughs> Just endeavor, stroke it I'm, the I'm whole time. I'm going to endeavour to learn the pheromone time for the next for what we discussed that. <laughs> you better get learning dear boy <laughs> even if we just put some audio of the pheromone in halfway through and we claim that I've made that <laughs> but the pheromone has become a big part of my life now <coughs> i tell you what we'll do a little video and we'll put it up on the South Park on Twitter it's just you with a triangle but we'll dub over a theremin yes. and then we'll be like you. you cannot prove otherwise that this was not a theremin thank you I mean, where else do we have that Twitter <laughs> other than to like our own tweets? It was... It's weird that we've been doing this. For, obviously, we haven't been continually doing it, but it's weird that we've been doing this for over a year. Christ, it's been a year. Like, what number was it when we did the first Spooky Popcorn? Like, we were already a few... We were few in. It was the fourth one we'd done. Something, like that. Yeah, something and, like that. And, now, and then... 
Look at us now. <laughs> I mean, I think we're both wiser. I'm, I was thinking about that, like, even a month ago, before even just the 31 Days of Horror, I was a very different... Well, not very. I was a different person film-wise. Yeah. Because even just how much I've experienced and the stories that mm. I've, like, that have been told to me, not even just life experiences, just talking film-wise, it... I'm a different man. Yeah, I think if we speak about life experiences, we're going to be here all day because I think we're both, in a way, wholeheartedly different little people with our new group of people <laughs> that we've met. And I love our new group My of people. people. I'm really happy. Like, it's a brilliant thing where, like, where I wake up and I'm actively happy to see people we're on a course with. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like, film-wise, it has changed us because we've seen new things coming out here. It's changed our perspectives of, like, what we want to do. I know it has for me. And I think it's kind of changed where we're going to take our work. Imagine just going back to who we were on that first Sour Popcorn, where it's like, hi, welcome to the first of who knows how many Sour Popcorn podcasts. Just imagine going back to them and saying, this is where you'll be in a year's time. This is yeah. what you'll have made. This is what you'll have <coughs> yeah. The idea of time travel is just killing my throat. You'll have, you'll have seen more movies. Zach, you'll have gotten uglier. Fuck's sake. Jake, you'll have gotten more lucky. But, yeah, things will have worked out. So that was our not-so-spooky and just more tangenty discussion for Spooky Popcorn, second edition. <laughs> um, but we do have, very importantly, some like things to hold up. We've got important parts of the show. We've got the Quitify question. We've got been what's appertaining. We've been going... With the bargain bin, good sir. We've got things to discuss. We're oh, no, I'm not saying goodbye. We're by no means done. I thought you were saying we're goodbye. We're no. wrapping up. There was me no, thinking no, it's no, time no, for me no. to grab my hat and I'm off. It's that Grandpa Simpson gif where I just take the hat and walk in. <laughs> do, 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 put the hat back on and walk back out the same door. But no, things are changing. Although, the cinema is starting soon, so we do need to keep it quick. Yeah, we do need to keep it quick. Right, so we will move. Let's... Let's change it. We'll keep quick fire question for the end. Let's go just, what's appertaining and what is in your bargain bin? What's appertaining? I know we've discussed it. 31 Days of Horror. I'm going to keep it very horror-related in this episode, but some standouts for me on my 31 Days of Horror list. Obviously, Spiro, we've spoken about it. A Razor Head. That was an experience. Just David Lynch. I love you. Mm-hmm. I finally finished The Evil Dead trilogy, the originals fucking fantastic obviously Wicker Man but like brain dead brain brain <laughs> dead I've obviously seen the scene years ago the scene but just seeing the whole thing I absolutely loved it Peter Jackson you're the dude also The Frighteners that was a fun Scooby-Doo experience also Peter Jackson as well and then that had Michael J. Fox in it Go check out the Frighteners, um, and then Perfect Blue. Now Perfect Blue was interesting. Oh hell yeah! That, like if you haven't seen that, it, unfortunately that. the only anime on my list. But yeah, well. Also, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't too keen on Hitchcock's The Birds. We're gonna have a conversation about that. Why were you not keen on Hitchcock's The Birds? It just didn't really do much for me. Like I was like, okay, there are birds. Uh, there, there were good moments yeah, they were good yeah, scenes yeah, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong it wasn't awful but I think 
obviously coming off the high of Psycho, because I knew that that's like, obviously knew that it couldn't yeah. top it, but I don't know, it just, it didn't click with me. Well, that's fine, then. I thought you had like a specific, like, oh, I hated this about it. It was just like, if you, it doesn't do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. I mean, the man who knew too much doesn't do it for me very much. Oh, no, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, exactly, it doesn't do it for me very much. I like mm. the ending. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, we were at the we were at the tennis. <laughs> it was like. I love how it's not guests. James Stewart's story in that one. It's yeah. hers. Yeah, exactly. And I think James Stewart was good in that sense to take a step back. And even if he didn't know it directly, Hitchcock was making it for her. Yeah. But I, like, I, I can't wait. That's something I do want with you because you're going to start watching more Hitchcock, and I'm very happy about that. Like we're already organising for the Christmas holidays, like a, a day for the projector. Like we're going to have Godfather Part Two, and, and like we're going to have Studio Ghibli. I think we definitely need a Hitchcock. Up there. Yeah, and I've already got one or two in mind because <laughs> I think it is time we you saw Strangers on Train, so you realise like if if your girlfriend ever does become a problem, you know that I can be there. To go and just remove her. Just remove her. Like I will just, I will actually strangle her to death. If and then, then you have to kill someone that I want you to kill. And then it just progresses from there. All Zach's words I are do, his. Own. I do, I do, I do quite like his girlfriend. She's a lovely person. We don't, we don't deserve her. But that's just the point. Like it's just, it's a great Hedgehog film. It's like, time you saw Strangers on a Train. Um, but yeah, mainly been really enjoying 31 Days of Horror. I've also been watching other stuff, but like with the cinema here, it's been tantalising me yeah. too much. I've been view is now my favourite place in the world. This is the most beautiful view in the world. And it's cheap. It is. It's so cheap. Good. There's something to be said about it being cheap, because if it was more expensive, then I wouldn't go as much. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's there. And it's, I, I just, it's available to me. And I absolutely love it. I love it. But then in Bargain Bin, the only horror one I got was... A special edition of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I see it on your shelf and it does look quite pretty. It, it was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. I too have been doing 31 Days of Horror. I fucking adore this experience. I haven't done this, like, this has been the first time I've ever done this because I tried to do it last year and I by no means, I maybe watched five. <laughs> because it was exam season and I had a lot yeah. to do, but. And we were preparing for the uni interviews and Christ, that was a hard time. And I had a girlfriend, and I had a, lot, a lot better life. But yeah, now I'm lonely and I watch films every night. So yeah, but this has been a fun, fun experience to get be able to sit through some of these to like just witness the eras and just see different things. Like clear standout, Suspiria, mm. beyond words. We talked, we could talk about that to death. Bloody loved seeing Perfect Blue for the first time. Like Darren Aronofsky wanted to punch you on the nose for just essentially just stealing that. I don't, I don't want to punch him on the nose. I want to do something that would shake him to his core. I'm going to ban him from scarves. No! <laughs> Mandy was a brilliant rewatch. I'm looking oh, forward Mandy to... was fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking about that. I absolutely love Mandy. Because that's maybe in my top ten of the year. Mm. Maybe. But we'll come back to that in the future. Tried the Netflix, the Netflix Malevolent movie. That was okay. Mm. I've watched a load of Carpenter. I've done The Thing. Seeing They Live for the first time was brilliant. That's such a good movie. Not full on horror but it is great it's a lot about some of the social issues at the time always have to get in a rewatch 28 days later favourite zombie movie of all time desperate for you to watch it but the final two I really desperately want to talk about is I had an opportunity to watch Psycho with my apartment it was one of my favourite experiences of watching film because everyone was just like picking out little things that they loved everyone had their own little things to talk about and everyone had their own little things that they enjoyed about it it was just it just kind of showed like the power of that movie 
like that's decades old and everyone can still enjoy it still find fun things to talk about it and communitively like share our love of it and then also communally agree that people who are drunk and talking through it should shut up immediately <laughs> you know who you are if you're listening <laughs> He's not listening. He is not listening. <laughs> and then finally, it was nice to just be able to dive back into a childhood classic, something that began my love of horror, something that is within my heart today, something that comes under the original party anthem, something that I believe Jake cannot contain his excitement over, something that is so perfect and pure, so adult, and takes the series in a new direction. It was Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Fucking masterpiece. It was a beautiful thing to be able to go home and do On Zombie Island, Witch's Ghost, Alien Invaders, and The Cyber Chase. Doing all four of those in one day was childhood on play, and they hold up so well. What I remember about them is I got the DVDs in a cereal pack. Oh, <laughs> it was like Kellogg's were doing this thing, and then it like they wouldn't give you a case for the DVD. Mm. It was just like a disc in there, and then you just scoop it out, put it in, and enjoy yourself. Scooby-Doo. Matt, Scooby-Doo. I just, I loved that first movie, Zombie Island, because that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Now, that oh, scene, I love do you know, it. Do you remember that scene when they specifically unearthed the bones for the first time? And yeah. It's like, and then the green fog kind of comes in, and he just reanimates, and like the skin kind of comes back on, and the bones crunk back together, and it's like, oh, Glitch fuck, Glitch. this is a doll for a Scooby-Doo movie. They were being chased by a ghost with a sheet in the TV show. This is real. These things are terrifying, and they can actually die, the Pete characters, and it was like, fuck. Oh, God, that was fun. Well, I, I swear to God, these. one day we're doing a Sound Popcorn episode where it is all four of us and we'll discuss those because we'll be there for days and I love them. We're doing it. Promise It'll be me. a live stream and we, we, we can't stop until we've finished discussing. So we'll just be there in like uh, five days in like, and then we'll finally be like, right, now on to the, f- now, now on to the second one. Just, just make it like a birthday present or something <laughs> for me. Like, right, we'll discuss it for your birthday. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, Got through Maniac, that's... A beautiful moment of television like 31 days of horror aside that's a moment of television you need to get your hands on and hopefully this weekend after I've seen A Star Is Born of course because that's high on the watch list it will be a time to start The Haunting of Hill House because I've heard mm. nothing but good things and I'm very I'm very trying excited. to peer pressure my flat into watching that good luck <laughs> but I'm looking forward to like getting that fully done finishing that the whole way through and for Bargain Bin I was actually very lucky I've Made one or two good purchases. I got Hereditary when that finally came out. I was happy to get that oh, in my beautiful. pocket. It just had to be bought. Yeah. And I was very lucky because I managed to get Free Fire. And nice. I got a lovely, lovely steelbook for Fight Club. Nice. And I was just like, you beautiful thing. You generic film student, no, you. generic <laughs> film student, you. Fuck off, it's a good movie. It's just not the best movie ever made. I mean, I've never been one to call it the best movie ever made. It's, it's great, but if you know what's coming, it's very obvious. Yeah, I knew what was coming when I first watched yeah, it because it had been spoiled. But it did very did I spoil it for you? I think I spoiled that. You for spoil you. everything for me. I spoil a lot for you. I spoil everything. There are a lot of things I've been very good on and not spoiled. It was year nine. It was like my fourteenth or fifteenth birthday. I go in to drama, talking to Zach and Alice in the in the computer room because we're writing essays. It's like, so what did you get for your birthday? And I'm like, oh, I've been meaning to play this for ages, but I haven't yet. The Walking Dead series one, Telltale series. Zach looks me dead in the eyes. Spoilers if you haven't played it. But what are you doing if you haven't? Zach looks me dead in the eyes and he goes, Lee dies. 
that was a very dickish point of my life where I didn't like people and it was just like I didn't care if I spoiled it for you and it was a horrible thing for me to do and there was a special place reserved for me in hell for it on top of my other numerous numerous crimes so yeah I am sorry I've redeemed myself though I can never forgive you for that I never told you how it happened you and Ellis then went into great detail. Oh, I don't remember this. I don't remember it. <laughs> so, it's just other so yeah, lots happening at the moment. We're like, also in the world, like it's nice that we're producing a lot of content. Yeah. Like I will actually, hopefully within the week, have like a up and running source from which you can watch my content, which will then also be linked to the channel, so you can make like some clear differentiation. And then any group projects that we do, we will also put on there because it's good to just see our variety. Because I think we are. Now actually giving a lot of variety in what we're producing, not just on like a narrative level, but on a technical level too, really. Hmm. So yeah, what going on? I'm very tired because of it. So now for my proposition for you. Oh God! Obviously, he's I... looking me in the eyes and he's like just—he's well, he's combing his hair and he's. Oh. Obviously, I. Well, wow, obviously, I, I have a few other suggestions for amendments to make to how we do the podcast, but we can discuss that in a future episode. Mm-hmm. But for now, I'm talking about next week. And I know you already said about talking about the new Halloween and Mandy and whatnot. I'm scared. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, anything and everything in between. Members of the Christian Penguin Flipperhood. All zero of you. How dare you? That's an actual <laughs> breathing movement. Sorry, all one of you. Fuck but you. he's here with me right now. Screw you. I will begin that church. Christians and penguins will march together in union. We will march with flipper and hand together and we will rise above the armies of the Sultan the world and we will reclaim the land which was ours. Yes. It's the exact only fitting purpose for the club penguin meme where he's sat by the table by himself and he's like I'd like to thank you all for <laughs> coming <laughs> quite literally <laughs> I literally like on the last day I just signed I just went in and I went flip our friends join with me just, and then no one responded and then I swore and then I got my email account banned for three days so yeah your proposition but anyway anyway for the listeners, during the hiatus when we were settling in at university and all these things were going on in our life and all these ch-ch-ch-ch-changes. Sorry, Shrek 2. I can't get enough of it. Um, oh, for five minutes. <laughs> for could five you not minutes. be yourself? For five minutes! But my little proposition to Zachary. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday in, in these weeks and... I will, I, I'm going to suggest something, but again, it is your choice, because I, I did think that we would be back earlier than this, but obviously we've been very, very busy. Yeah, quite busy. Have a special happy birthday Zachary episode, where we do the entire filmography of the theatrical feature-length releases of Quentin Tarantino's career. I mean... I think we. I'd probably make love to you there and then. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> I think that is like full on We Love Zach Day. <laughs> I mean, I will have to get watching on like two or three because while I have been slowly catching up, it will then make me accelerate oh, God, yeah. and finishes. I'll have to go back and watch one or two of them. I think I have Reservoir Dogs, Hateful Eight, 
and then a few you've got, others. You've got Django. Django, that's it. And then I think that... you've got um, Death Race. Oh, Death Proof. Death Race, Death, Death Race. Proof. Death Proof. I don't want to call it Death Race. Death Proof we can maybe skip. <laughs> it's not brilliant. We could talk about it for five minutes and be like, so that happened. Ah, Next yeah. one. Great Ross is okay. It's not brilliant, but oh, thank you, sir. Do you, do you want to suggest a different director? Oh, no, we're going to be there for days. Because okay. it's like, okay. I mean, that was the most beautiful thing in the world in the summer. Like, getting you to watch Inglourious Bastards and then having you recently have watched Pulp Fiction. Like, I've never been more proud of my son. It's like, you know when you literally are sending your kids off to university as our parents were a few months back? I've, I've sent my Jake off to university. And he's it's the end of Toy Story 3. No, it's the end of Toy Story 2. Because that's the superior movie where they've come to accept that things won't always be the way they are. And yet, we're still being serenaded with a wonderful musical from Wheezy. The superior ending. Because Toy Story 2... It's the best Toy Story. Everything nice that he's just said, he's just completely willing to take off the table. Right, this is the final episode of (laughs) We have this argument far too often. One day we will go in depth because I do have a very solid argument. Yeah, as do I. I can go on for hours about why Toy Story 2 is the best. You don't get a better line than, what's a cowboy without his hat? And he's got the hat in his hand. You don't get a better line than that. That's incredible. That just tops everything in Toy Story 3. But I digress. (laughs) But I digress. Thank you very much for that birthday present. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. It'll be okay. So you can expect that as our next episode. At some point. Whenever we get around to recording. (laughs) When we get a chance to do it. We may leave it for a while so you've got some time to watch these. I don't want you to rush them. I want you to space these out a little bit. Like Wait a little bit after you've watched Django to watch Hateful Eight. Watch Reservoir Dogs and take it in. Maybe watch it again. Just enjoy them, because he is my favourite director and they're so good. And we will do that for you one day. We will find your favourite director with a limited release. Maybe know them. We'll do that one day. We'll find someone. But guys, this has been nearly going on for two hours. So nearly. I'm going to get into the quickfire question, So, but we can all mercifully go and have some sleep, and I can go and watch Halloween and then The Fog, and then Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> and then Resident Evil 7. <laughs> and then we in, can... And then we can finish that just in time to wake up the next day. I don't care. Like, should we just not go in on Thursday? <laughs> like, can we just sit and play Resident Evil 7? Like, can we just not? Can we just not go in tomorrow? I just don't care. Just, just, just sit. I know we've got to edit shit, but I don't care. Let's just sit and play Resident Evil 7. Right, so yeah, quick fire question. I don't even know what the score is anymore. Jake's going to count that up. Over the next <laughs> At some point. Jake's going to count that up, so next week you'll know who is winning. I think it's me. Is it? I think it was me. Because I think we were even in that last episode, then I think I won the one I did in that last episode. Excuse me. We'll get back to you. We'll that. get back to you on that, yeah. But yeah, like I say, we were off in like two hours to go and see the new Halloween. And this is, of course, taking a classic character and not like kind of rebooting it and kind of giving it a sequel. So I would literally say you can do any horror at this point, but like it helps if it is a classic. What classic horror deserves that well-needed sequel? One that doesn't have it. One that doesn't. Like, if it has a sequel, fine. But if you wanted another and like you think it would fit the cultural zeitgeist today and it would appease these audiences, then that's fair. Me, I'm picking Gremlins. 
we need Gremlins 3. I recently did Gremlins again from the original 30, for my 31 Days of Horror. And it's not only a stellar horror film, it's a brilliant comedy. And we don't get that level of like quality craftsmanship within Hollywood anymore. We don't get that puppeteering work. We don't get animatronics built like that anymore. And you don't get a level of creature comedy like that anymore, particularly when you see Gremlins 2. You've seen Gremlins 2, right? Yeah. Well done. Which do you prefer, actually? Gremlins 1 or 2? 1. I prefer 2. But we'll get into that. Then you can then install levels of comedy within it for Gremlins 2. I think if you built Gremlins 3 today, people will absolutely go wild for it. The craze for small for small horror characters is insane. There's a reason they're bringing Chucky back. There's a reason Annabelle's got three movies. They did another Gremlins movie, I can guarantee you. If like someone like Phil, Phil Miller and Chris Lord were behind it, and... Um, or say for instance like flipping James Gunn was behind it you'd have a stellar really well done comedy with great horror elements you've instantly got Gizmo who's connectable and then you just create your own original Gremlins like they did in Gremlins 2 but you made them hilarious like you can guarantee there'll be one who's on Instagram all the time there'll be one playing video games you can make a load of great commentaries with like the Gremlins you can do really good scares and fucking hell will it be marketable those little creatures are just the easiest things to market in the world so and there's such an established fan base of it, like, people fucking love that movie. Spielberg produced it, so people instantly know it. That theme song is one of the most recognisable theme songs of all time. For me, it's up there with Indiana Jones and the Superman theme. Dun 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 It's just so recognisable. Do it because it's fucking good. And do it because I think, quite frankly, the audience and the world deserves to see Gizmo in a movie again, because we need cute Gizmo, as long as they don't do this movie with CGI. Give us back a cute little gizmo, because we've missed him. We know he's having a lot of fun, particularly as well when they built him up as Rambo in the sequel. Build him up as something even cooler than the third one. Give him like a really cool fight sequence, we know we all want it. Hollywood. You know you want to. You know you've got people out there that would do a good job of it. Give us Gremlins free. Oh, fuck, this is... <laughs> I'm glad you went on for so long because it's given me more time to think. That's quite alright. But I had a lot of I had a lot of ones in mind for this because I was thinking like originally I was going to say Nightmare on Elm Street, but then I was thinking Halloween's done so well, we're likely going to get another one anyway. Yeah. So I thought I'd go for Gremlins just because it was a pick from the heart, and I love Gremlins. It's one of my uh, big shames because I have like a really nice like authentic cuddly gizmo with like plastic ears and looks really great, and I haven't bought it to uni with me. I really want to bring it. And watching it the other day, I was like annoyed that I didn't have it on my bed with me. And I was like, I mean, I've got my Toro now. Thank you, Zoe. We love you for it. But I need my gizmo with it. See, I'm so torn on this question because one of the reasons why I like horror for the most part is that it's the one-off uses of mm. it. and like I specifically chose Gremlins because I think... It's something that will fit in with the culture. Like audiences would love to see it. They could probably come up with a funny sequel, and it's characters we'd just like to see again. Like I think they would fit in well with the modern era, and I think you'd do it well. I know that it did have a stellar sequel, but I think you can do more. I've got an idea, except 
I'm worried because I haven't seen the TV series. I've only seen the films. Okay. I'm going to say... Evil Dead 4. Okay. I haven't seen Ash vs. the Evil Dead, so I don't know what they explore in that. Although, from the looks of things, from that, I've only seen one trailer, from the looks of things, it isn't a direct continuation from Army of Darkness, but I do not know. But I'm just going to talk solely film wise. Yeah, like, say, like, imagine nothing else exists, this is just your vision. Let's make it that. So. Say, like, he gets the chance to do what he always wanted from the cancelled vision of what. Ash vs. Evil Dead season 4 was going to be or like mm. if he could have made that fourth movie like make it that so <coughs> I've got a pitch now because I, um, I didn't have a pitch I'm trying to I'm trying to get the cogs turning because I can tell that as soon as I've gone and that's my pitch I'll then come up with a different idea oh. but then it'll be too Just late give me time to think of a pitch as well to combat it <laughs> Evil Dead 4 needs to exist because Sam Raimi needs to direct more again. Not only is he one of the best and most influential directors in my experience, not only with Spider-Man, but then also with the more mature themes and just horror of the Evil Dead series, even though he did that beforehand. I think that we need a continuation directly from the end of Army of Darkness. And spoilers if you haven't seen Army of Darkness, but... That film ends with Ash going, he slept for too long. He is there in the future. The world is in ruins. And so what you could do with that is show the psychological torment that that would have on a person. And it would bring it back to horror because while I enjoy Army of Darkness an awful lot, I absolutely adore Army of Darkness, I think that you could easily... It, it could be seen more as a comedy rather than actual horror. And I think that the reason why we need a horror is obviously he's aged now, so you could use some de-aging special effects for the opening where you see that big Ben, he, he, he runs inside and then slowly he goes through like a Scooby-Doo type corridor thing and then he starts like aging and it's all these like demons that come out and then it shows that they actually won he wasn't there and then he has to try and find his way back home he is literally there by himself he's almost in a slightly i am legend this would only be for the first half hour because you wouldn't want it to be too bleak but it's almost in an i am legend way he he finds a somewhat companion in either dog or like anything like that but apart from that, he is by himself. It's with a goat, because that will make Sam Raimi hands happy. Okay, he has a goat. He has a goat. But can talk. Played by Tessa Thompson, because Tessa Thompson is It's fantastic. I think we need this, because... It's fantastic. It, it could be extraordinary. But no more beating around the bush. I'm actually going to come up with a film idea now. <laughs> you could have him go into the ruins of the cabin you could have that as the only thing that has survived the devastation you could even have it as like the headquarters for the demons 
but then that would be taking it as in like this isn't a barren landscape I think it would work better as more of a <clears throat> you have to be quiet because there could be a demon around any corner but they aren't everywhere it's not some massive army of darkness fat like goddamn massive big scale thing it's taking it back down to the smaller smaller stakes of the first one it doesn't need a big budget but you go back to the cabin and then you start going through doors it starts playing tricks on his mind he starts seeing people the people from the first one mm. his air quotes love from army of darkness mm. and then it can also take him back in time in the sequences and then it shows him aged and is he happy with what he did it, it could almost be like the moment from uh, the doctor's wife in Doctor Who where they see the old Rory where he's like you were supposed to come back for me why were you and then he's like I wear it for you and that big whole moment it could be an old version of Ash because yeah. we have seen evil versions of Ash before oh, yeah. and I think that that then could obviously you don't want to keep doing the same thing where he just propels and bungee jumps from past to future past to future but then you could play around with is he actually there or like it does it actually send him back in time and i think you could really work on that as especially with bringing back the old special effects yeah. not cg heavy not blood everywhere like in the remake, even though I do love the remake. I fucking love the remake. But just having it focus on Ash and who he is now, I think that could be interesting with then sending him back, sending him forth. Is it all in his mind? Is it not in his mind? I wish I came up with more of a story there. No, it works, it works. I have, I've got a story for mine. And with yours, you say... Hey, if that pitch doesn't work, you just do what the alternative ending to Army of Darkness was, and you're stuck in the future. It's the wasteland. Then you just do Mad Max Evil Dead. That works. That works. Exactly. Again, it writes itself, people. Me, I would do like the sort of thing that what was so great about Gremlins too is the fact that they evolved. They got powers of their own. They got like they mutated. Like one became a bolt of lightning. One became a spider. One became a woman that was far too revealing. We don't talk about that. That, that did some weird things for young Zach's sexuality. Weird things. Please, no, no, stop. <laughs> I would essentially all do of it Zach's like words a, are his own. Yeah. So essentially, they like, come. Um, I would do it like the Gremlins lose their weaknesses. Like the sunlight doesn't kill them. Like they don't need to feed after midnight to mutate. And then you do something really interesting, like with that, like how it's like the Gremlins really do take Manhattan. The Gremlins like are unstoppable. Like, you can even do like a flipping like Mad Max thing, where it's like the Gremlins have one. And it's post that. It's just it's Gizmo as Rambo trying to take them all on, or as Mad Max. Oh my god! Just like imagine it's the. That'd fight. be very difficult. Imagine to it's the 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 full on. Yeah, but I've got unlimited budget and unlimited <laughs> capability. Keep in mind, it's like it's the full on the Furiosa chase in like Fury Road, and it's just it's Gizmo as Furiosa, but the rest it's all full the, with like robotic arms. Yeah, the rest of them are all the gremlins. <laughs> imagine, imagine that moment. Where walking out on the sand, it's just, <laughs> just Gizmo just waddling like, along. <laughs> or it's like, um, for fuck's sake. Imagine it's the Doof Warrior and it's Spike from the first one, it's just him there with the mohawk and just playing the guitar. Oh, that'd be, oh my god, I want fan art of that. 
I'm gonna find someone to commission that and just do like it's Fury Road, but it's oh, like no 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 no. no, no. <laughs> yes, I mean we don't have to do that pitch, but essentially they do it. They lose their weaknesses because then they become a lot more interesting, particularly when they mutate, as we saw in the second one, because it was hilarious. But definitely, please, that would be my idea. I think both work, and although we got sequels to our movies, I think the question is essentially what new sequel would you like to see? a la Halloween because we don't need this sequel it had a number of sequels but they made it because they thought hey there's an interesting new place to take this that's what we kind of think with our ones so that would be the quick fire question for this week just a point sorry I'll do it oh, really yeah, quickly keep, keep in mind. with mine you could have it he wakes up in the future mm. there is there aren't any demons about it was, it was like they the humans the and the demons they killed each other Deadites. in the crossfire pardon deadites yeah, that, that's it. Deadites. And then... <laughs> oh, yeah, I said that. <laughs> and then it is, like, what I what I said earlier, except it is just him slowly turning insane. Yeah. But yet you still have all the people there. Like, even if there is a corpse, then it's like in the second one where that deer's laughing. Yeah. It then all comes alive, but then there will just be that solitary moment sad, reflective, just before the end credits. He's gone through all of this. He he loses his other arm, and then it just, like, because all this crazy shit's happening, and then it just cuts. He's stood in the exact same place. He's still talking, he's still doing all of it, but he's just by himself. Mm. And it's all in his head because he has lost his sanity. And you don't need the evil there anymore because it has manifested in Ash's mind. He has become what he sought to destroy. That line from Fury Road. It was hard to know who was more crazy. <laughs> I think I thought this would be fun. I yeah. think we're in a crazy enough point with film. We probably could see both of them end up getting made. <laughs> so but Sam Raimi, please watch more films. Also, do you still film? Just watch Drag Me to Hell. It's yeah. pure Raimi. Like there are moments of it that are brilliant, and there are moments of it that are just batshit crazy. Just do yourself the favor. Also, Mr. Raimi. I know, like Del Toro, you're a big fan of the show. So just hit me up as well, please. I think that we could do... If all three of us lived in a house together, Guelmo, Sam and I, I think that would be a good good sitcom. And you can come visit. You can be the Todd that sleeps on the settee. <laughs> I would not be the Todd, because I recognise what the real Holy Raimi trilogy is, and that it is the Evil Dead trilogy. So I would be invited for afternoon tea long before yourself, good sir. That's going to be a quick fire question one day. What's the real homie really trilogy? The Evil Dead or the Spider-Man trilogy? Don't make me shit on the Evil Dead. Yeah, don't make shit on Spider-Man. <laughs> Let's not play this game. So that's been the quick fire question. We're going to stop that before we get into an argument. We have to sit in separate seats in the cinema. We can't sit next to each other because we've had an argument about Sam Raimi. And the fact that he called me a colleague. <laughs> Colleague at Quickmart. Honestly, you, you wait until I go back Came to Newton on. and I tell all your flipping family about that. Really Hashtag be Dave. <laughs> Hashtag be more like Dave. You wait until I tell people about that and they see what you became when you were and just, your invite. And I'll just stand there as you're telling them and I'll do the same pose as the do the raw kid. I'll just, I'll just be there and I'll be proud. But anyway, we'll quickly then, in minutes, do our recommendation my firm firm recommendation for halloween 
is watch kill list. Ben Wheatley, I spoke about it earlier, but just do yourself the favour, watch Kill List. Also watch The Frighteners by Peter Jackson. Again, good Scooby-Doo. Horror. But most importantly for my recommendation of the week, I am going to say it's a fairly small film, but it's very intriguing in the setup and the payoff, because in some ways it's quite generic. But I just love the whole retro feel and everything of it all. It's about uh, it's a 2016 release called I'm Not a Serial Killer, mm. and it, the main person who you'll know in it is Christopher Lloyd. He is really good in it. Um, but it follows the story of a young kid, and all these strange things start happening in his town. And it's a beautiful, beautiful town, and I believe. Canada, I think, um, but it's this beautiful snow everywhere, and at the heart of it is this character piece that even though you don't like, you are like this man, you know, this boy isn't, this person is an asshole. You still can't help but feel, feel for them, and that's why I like it because it's character driven. It's, it's not, it's almost like my recommendation last year, Frailty. It's not the Halloween film to watch. This is more the day after because you still want a little bit of horror but it makes you not necessarily think but it has some great moments of tension. But if you want the Halloween film, like the thing, then kill list. I got... I kind of like a little bit more off the wall with mine. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd just say go and watch Hellraiser. You watched it last night. I know you enjoyed bits of it. I want more people to see that. I want to see. I want them to agree why I was terrified as a little ten-year-old and think, yeah, we're justifiably scared, Zach. But no, that's not what I'm going to recommend today. I'm going to recommend a different one. I'm going to recommend a documentary actually this time. It was actually day fifteen on my um, thirty-one days of horror. It's called The Nightmare. It came out in two thousand and fifteen, and it's a really kind of like in-depth documentary. And it's about these people who suffer from sleep sleep paralysis, and it's essentially like when they dream they can't escape it and specifically it's what they experience when they have nightmares Ooh. and it's like it's it's a very in-depth explosion they try to dramatise like it's very like it doesn't feel like you're watching a documentary it feels like you're watching a fictional piece because they're giving narration to essentially what it is that they see with their dreams and they have these dreams and they're essentially self-aware and because they have the sleep paralysis they can't escape from it like, there is no waking up and it's like you then having to watch them endure these dreams with like things that come into them that are like actually quite scary it's like men sort of at the end of their beds horrifying things I won't spoil it because it's something that's interesting to go in and look on and it's just it's a very like sympathetic look on these people because they are rightly terrified and it's like a it's an amazing look about how horror touches people in a real way and how yeah. like not all horror is within the cinema like there can be real things within real life and it is like your psyche that gives birth to these horrifying things and everyone in it is a very interesting thing like it's like I, think it's like, I can't remember if it was like eight different people hmm. you see their experiences you see their story and it's like it's a real description of like the pain they go through with this condition it's like just interesting to watch if you want something that's just a little bit different if you don't want to watch a horror film but you want to try something that's just a little bit like oh, that was interesting hmm. this is literally something as well you could watch in the daytime you could watch this with your family because there's something to be learned from it and 
admired and enjoyed in a way, not just from the filmmaking, but from the fact that these people carry on, even though they have fucking terrifying dreams they can't wake up from. So that'd be my recommendation, The Nightmare. Very nice. So that's been the show for this week. It's been nice we to get back into it. We don't know when we're coming back. We're going to try and come back as soon as we can. We're going to we try. just made sure we did a spooky popcorn. I mean, we're literally away next week, so we will try and... Yeah, we're off for a short film festival next week. So we'll we will have a lot, try and we will do have something. a lot to talk about that. We'll maybe try and talk about some of the things we saw in that Yeah. in an episode at some point, if we can. Particularly as like we're going to different showings so we can see our own little bits, which would be interesting to kind of see. But yeah, people who listened, well done. You well done for making it this far. Fucking hell, like... <laughs> If we haven't already, if there are any new listeners and we haven't already convinced you that we're not the sort of people that are to be listened to, then like I'd maybe start asking really deep and kind of important questions about yourself and the decisions you're making. Like if continuing to expose yourself to this sort of torture is like healthy for you, because I know Jake's a decent bloke and I know he can say like really dickish and hurtful things, but at the end of the day, people do like him and do get on with him. But me. I'm a deplorable and unforgivable human being who has said things that he could probably not say to any rational human being that wasn't someone he's already stuck to, like a parasite, like Jake, because I will probably end up in prison or likely some sort of hell. I'm deplorable, and you should avoid me. You should avoid this podcast, or just seek out quality solo content from Jake. I mean, he literally made something where it's like food slivering from my mouth yesterday, and it's disgusting. <laughs> Which will be up on YouTube next week. Fucking... But for today, on Halloween. Happy, no, awful Halloween. <laughs> Have an awful day. <laughs> this truly is a disturbing Bloody universe. universe. Um, but we hope you enjoy. No. no we've hope, we hope you enjoyed Bear Bond, which will be up on YouTube as well. Yep, looking forward to getting that up and ready for you. But that's been Spooky Popcorn, second edition, Hello. slash... The Squeakwall. Squeakwall. Uh... Spooky Popcorn 2, Electric Boogaloo. It's a sad, sad state of affairs we're in. That has led to this ominous wedding. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for your time. And in the famous words of Charles Brooker. In the famous words of Charlie Brooker. Go, go away. away. <laughs> Charles Brooker. Well, I'm trying to be more like, sort of like formal, because I wouldn't just call him Charlie. I'd be like, Mr. Brooker. I'll just call him Sir. Sir. My lord. It'd be the moment from first man, like, you give a hug to someone, then it'd just be, I'd only get a handshake. And that's no, all I'd need. You do, the, um, need. you do the, um, the Ian McKellen and goes, Charles. Charles. I'm sorry, Charles. We did it.